This episode of the Boz and Bovril podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of Celtic Rumors TV, the Boz and Bobble podcast with your host, Mark, and myself, Paul. Today on the show we have Richard, Richie, 1985, from the former, who will give us his vision of what football should be in the, in the, in the future and how it affects Celtic. Myself and Mark will run through the second major shareholder in, in Celtic, Linsdale Train Limited. Barry Iceman from the Forbes will talk to us about Celtic's backroom staff and in, is there a need for a major change here in this area. Michael, Michael Dundee from the former will be with us again tonight and he will talk about the upcoming Celtic vs Rangers match. And again, folks, we'll be running through the live chat, so please start posting. But before I do that, I just want to hold off to Mark for our usual shout-outs. Thanks, thanks again, folks. Thanks for helping us, join us, being here, and welcome all the viewers in the chat. Actually, Terry's in already. There's a glass of as well. Mikey's there as well. Mikey's coming on later, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. All the support, and if you've subscri- if you've not subscribed, please hit the subscribe button and hit the thumbs up button for us as well. Just a normal shout out to Tim Aloy. Uh, he's been writing some short stories for us today, Paul. Maybe get them in on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And ROH and, and Mal, of course, stuck out there in Spain. And then special laddie Ben. Get well soon, Ben. Hail, hail. How is Ben actually, Mark? How's he like and how's he getting on? Well, last I spoke to Steph, he's, he's home now. But he's, still, he's got a long road in front of him, the operation to him, to the head to his legs, he's got a bit of a tough time ahead of him, he got back fit enough. He's in, mm-hmm. in a, he's got a hospital bed in the living room and things like that, he's not even... Jesus. Hang in there, Ben. You're young, you're, yeah, you're young, you're young lad boy and you years ahead of you, so this recovery will, uh, will take his time, but you will get healed. Uh, Where have you been? Oh, I, just chilling now, now, nice, uh, nice in the sun there, Mark. Nice in the sun. Be a few cracking days here as well. Really warm at times as well. Yeah, there, there was, it was the same here now. Very, very hot. So, long way continue, as they say. I'm off next Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So, sorry. Right. So, looking. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to a few holidays there now for the thing like so. I said I'd take them there for the long weekend. You know, I get myself psyched up for the old farm and for the watch now. <laughs> hey, will we get things rolling? I'll go and get Richard done. Yeah, so our first guest in the show tonight is Richard, and Richard will give us a few thoughts into what he thinks his vision of the way football is going to be and what ways affect Celtic. So, Richard, uh, the on, Mark? I'm just trying to get mad at here. It's not letting me add them.
So basically what Richards, when I was talking to him there, he says he has this vision of what way football is, is going to go. I, I don't know much about it, but it seems very interesting. I, I'd like to get your thoughts on the, the live chat about this vision that Richard has for Celtic and what the vision he has for football in the whole. So it's going to be very, very interesting to watch. He says the way he sees things going. Sounds as if it could be interesting. Just call them. Mm-hmm. You there, Richard? Richard, you with us? We will try and get him back. We try him in a minute, Mark. We, I move on. I'll, uh, I'll send a text out to Rick. Off as well. I don't know what happened there. Sorry about that, Paul. Move on for Richard. Look, and I send Richard a text and see if I can get through to him. But we move on. So next, I want to talk about the new, the second major shareholder in Celtic. It's called the Linsell Train Limited. Uh, so basically, they're the second major shareholder, and they bought their. They have 18.6% shares in Celtic. The group bought their shares back in 2019 when Brendan when, when Rodgers left for Leicester and, it, and when the share price was dropped. The company is forecounted by a Nicky Trey and basically he has an equity fund of £5.8 billion. The company sees a, invests in a lot of sports franchises. They also have holdings in Manchester United and Juventus. They have no martial attachment to the Celtic Football Club or any other club, and their 80 point shares to date make them make themselves the second major. So the question is like, they don't they don't look to invest in the club, all right? Their the only interest that any other shareholder would mark is making money, all right? Yeah. Well, when shares drop, they don't panic like. Like a normal person would if they lost, saw, saw their shares dropping within something, if they saw they lose money. These fellas take that as an advantage and they'll buy their shares. Now, they're really interested in Celtic moving down south because if Celtic moved down south, their share price would rocket. So with no emotional connection to Celtic, is this is it, is it worrying that such a company is involved in Celtic and they're a, a second major shareholder in the club. Just just behind their business is that thirty two I think and they're and they're behind him. You know? Oh, I, I don't think so. It's just in, it's just investments to these companies. I really don't think they're ever gonna put have any plans to try and take over a club or anything like that. No, they don't do that. That's 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 the thing I'm s I try to get it. like they don't look to buy clubs. They're just there to buy their shares to make, and to make, to make money. Investment. And that's it. To make money. As long as yeah. they're making 
money, that's what they're going to keep doing. Yeah, but the, the worry for for some Celtic fans is if they decided to sell their shares and make a profit, can the can the board stop if they did say we say they didn't want this new buyer to come in of their shares? Is there any way the board can stop this or there's there's no way like if they want to sell their shares, they sell their shares and and that's it. You know, I think that's what's worrying some Celtic uh, fans at the moment, you know. This is all stem from that article yesterday that was comparing how good this Celtic trust is to how bad this Linstall train is. That's where mm-hmm. the worries came from. But to it's Celtic trust are kind of a, a more emotional kind of an investment in this. You know, they have this attachment to Celtic Football Club. They want to bet, but, but, but these fellas, they don't. They're just there to make their money. They don't. They don't want to buy the club. They don't want to lose their shares. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not investing anyway. They just they just there to simply see their shares go up. And if they if they see shares dropping, that's when they to seek to buy out all the shareholders. So they they kind of increase their shareholdings in businesses going along. Was it not that they just increased their shareholding in 2019? I thought they yeah, did. Yeah, 18.66%. They've invested, they've had shares in the club for years. Probably for years, yeah, years before that. But then when they, when Brendan Blen, Rodgers left for Leicester, their Celtic share prices dropped. They were in the wrong since Fogs McCann area. When Fogs McCann's, uh, when he left, the share prices practically dropped. And they were in the kind of wrong then. You know? I think it's just, what these financial companies do. I really, I, see, I don't know what the actual point of that article was yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think what's getting the Celtic uh, Trust funds between the, the Celtic Trust and again the board or the share, other shareholders. I really they, just, they don't want, they, they don't have no one on the board. Do you, no, do you get me? No, 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 and in harmful. I think I think what uh, what what the Celtic Celtic Trust Fund is trying to say is like that because they have no uh, no kind of emotional attachment to the Celtic Football Club that it's worrying that such a, such an investment could be allowed into buy shares. Plus, so, but, I've jumped on the back of this European Super League because this was all these big investment firms that were looking trying to force that through. That's how they, that's how they make the money then, yeah. Munger Celtic support into thinking, wait a minute, this could happen to us, but it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. No, and I think that what the, this crowd will be looking at, like, is the, if Celtic did ever pull out of Scotland. Look, well, our fans aren't in favour. We talked about that last time. We're not in favour of this, you know, because Celtic is a Scottish team. We've our history here, our heritage is here. And they're kind of pushing Celtic to move to a different league. So their share prices are going to go up. But then, like, it's not their decision. They've no kind of decision in making that because they've no one on the board, really, Mark. You know, you know, so I don't know where the worry is coming from, this Celtic Trust Fund, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if facts, but if they want that representation on the board, I'd imagine they would be allowed it. Mm-hmm. Because of the size of shareholding that they have, but... So obviously there's no there's no that interest. I think they have to come up to to about the I think they they could have if they wanted someone on the board 
but that's not their style. Oh. Do you know, they, they, they have shares in Man United and Juventus and, and, and numerous sports franchises. I just think we're into all because they're, they're involved in major sports. They're, they're involved in the major leagues over in America. They're involved in kind of all these sports. But that's not what they're about. They don't want to be going into clubs to be decision makers. They don't want to be going into clubs to make like board members. They're there to, to make their shares. And when their shares drop, they make decisions. Will they invest in more? Because more than 10 times out of nine, Mark, your shares are going to recover again. Yeah. I'm, you know, so that, that's what... It just so happens to be the Celtic that they've done it in. But you're saying about all these sports clubs and that they've, they've invested in. They've probably different different businesses that have invested in outside of sports as well. Do you get what mm-hmm. I mean? Real estate, it, things like it, that. It came into... Um, Pound signs and dollar signs and share prices. I saw their interest in. They're not, they're, they couldn't care less who the Celtic manager is. They came into um, Manchester United when, oh, they actually do, because if we say Whitney Lennon coming come in after Lennon Rodgers and Neil Lennon get in the, the job properly, Celtic share prices drop slightly. So it actually makes sense for them, for Celtic to, to appoint a high-profile manager. Do you get me? Yeah, uh-huh. You know, so the bigger the name that's attached to Celtic, they will get more, their share prices. The higher, yeah, exactly. The higher your profile was and the more mm. you're interested in, there's more value in the club. Exactly. So when, when, when the Glaciers took over Manchester United, they bought shares with the Glaciers because they, I don't know, they, they obviously know the Glaciers because... They had shares over in America, and they knew that this is the kind of thing that the Glaziers kind of like. You know, so I can't see the worry, really, was, well, what this attack... I'd be more worried if it was somebody like the Glazers or that that was sniffing about the club. Mm-hmm. I mean, they bought Manchester... Basically, they bought Manchester... Manchester and put them into death. No, they bought them on tick. That's basically what they've done. They don't, don't think they actually spent any of their own money in the club. It's and there was a... There was a banner today outside uh, Ellen Road saying the Glazers out, you know. So, you know, that's the thing I think about Celtic fans. I, I, I think that's why they, they like the Ellen That's held Man United back for years, the problems the Glazers have caused in behind the scenes. Is it eight, nine, eight or nine years the last time they won a title, I think? It's about that. You know, and I know they won the Europa League, but you know, that's not good enough for Manchester United, really, Mark, is it? You know, so just moving on from, from that, so, right? So... I think the Celtic fans are kind of happy to have Dears McDesmond that his share prices, he's the major share. I think he owes 32% mark, I think, if, I, if I'm right to yours. So he's the main fella that makes the sh- decisions. But does he have to approach them in making the decision that they owned? It, or do they have to be notified of the position? Like, say, if something now, when they were sacking Neil Lennon and, and stuff like that, like, would they have been notified being the subject. To be honest, I don't know, but I wouldn't think so, Paul. Mm-hmm. It's a trade it's, it's an investment to them. Yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll just keep, see all these stock market announcement things and that, they'll just keep an eye on things like that. I think that's what uh, was was worrying the Celtic uh, Trust Fund, is that they were really like saying like that these fellas are the second major shareholder, we should be worried here because they're the ones that are going to be making decisions Along with the new manager, they want Celtic going into the Super League if that was going ahead. You know, but they don't. They're not there to make decisions. Taylor, to me, the article was just scaremongering. 
you know, I wouldn't, I, 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 I wouldn't have known this, uh, this second major shareholder only for popped up in the news blogs that I read about Celtic and, and it popped up there. But if you read it first, like it, it does look scary. You see the big heading, Celtic's uh, second major shareholder. Under fire for some kind of hostile takeover by this American, big Mm -hmm. American firm that's going to sell us off the soul of the club in that idea. I think if Dermot Desmond would, we say, like, and and I asked it before, would he sell his shares and would he be happy? I think if he was selling his shares, he'd put the best interest of Celtic as well as himself. Definitely. I don't think he would sell them to one of these groups either. I really don't. I think it would need to be someday. It's going to be at least as hands-on as he's been. They, exactly. Dermot Desmond would trust to carry on doing good for the club and not just kind of take his down like he kind of wrote some of his English teams seem to be going down. And I think that's why why just uh, this this story came out found uh, the Celtic Trust Fund is that they're trying to say like you're in better hands with us being involved in the thing like but how much mistake do these Celtic Trust Funds have in Celtic Mark? I, I haven't I don't that mistake they've got in it but it's all that you can see like if you own shares you can sign them up to exactly shares in that which I take it a lot of people have done but it's entirely up to them if they want to do that. I've just spoke about before, the thing with these fan groups and that is, for me, ego at some point, ego takes over. See if the Celtic Trust did get enough people. That happened here now with my local soccer team here, Coxie, they're owned by the fans and um, basically Mac have run out of money. They don't have money to fund the club. They're, we're down the first division now and, and basically we're looking to bring players through. We say it'd be like... Uh, the, the grassroots of uh, Scottish football, you know, looking through those lower leagues, trying to get players, and we're looking, we Celtic were looking to get uh, Preston Orient to buy the club, and that fell through, and they they had to raise money to basically get a license to, to play in the League of Ireland this season. So, you know, they have to they have to go and basically ask the porters, you know, to go and buy jerseys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eventually, Preston Orient. Gave them some of it towards us, but then they had to come up with dresses. So that's the trouble about these fans or clubs. Like eventually, these fellas will see they're losing money. Do you know? Germany, yeah, I mean, that is the fifty plus one rule isn't it? they've got mm-hmm. fans own fifty, just under fifty one percent or whatever it is. But it seems to work well in Germany, and it might be something that we could look we could look into as a whole. As a whole, you've big clubs in over John then to do that though, Mark, don't you? You have the supporters, you have the things like the stadiums. Uh-huh. Like for Celtic to do that, like, you know, they want to be making money as well, like but I think Celtic could do it. To it, like but the likes of Hearts and Hibs and exactly. lower teams, like they couldn't couldn't do that then, like, you know. I mean it's alright saying that they're the fans own fifty one percent, but it's like who owns the other forty nine? It's all these big rich German companies that are backing them up, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Terence Maxwell there says uh, Limerick were the same part. Yeah, Limerick were owned by the fans, and uh, am I right in, in saying Terence that they actually uh, went into liquidation last season? And Lim- Limerick Town are actually not a football team anymore. I think there's another team now that's representing Limerick. So there is a worry with these fan-owned te- teams. Like you know, we are clubs. It's good to be. Do you know what I mean? So I mean, for years, Aki's was owned by 
uh, was a guy, he owned a forklift company, George Fulton. Mm-hmm. I mean, George Fulton, I thought he never made a penny out of He couldn't have made any money out of them. But it was him that kept the club going. See what you're saying? And that kind of fan ownership is a, well, it's a bit different, but you'd need, we as clubs would need like wealthy fans to be part of it. They're putting their own, their own money in from their businesses into um, into that club. Like, do you know what I mean? And we say, like John, John did lockdown here. I know we say, uh, I know of in Scotland. And, and if you're a fan on group and your business is locked down and you've no income coming in, you know, and plus you have no you've no supporters in the stadium, so there's there's no income coming into both on both sides. Do you know? That's that's real. That that that's real uh, of of a of a worrying thing. Like if you are open to fight. so I think like there's no there's no need to worry with this crowd buying their shares. Or they bought their shares. The money went to Celtic. You know, if they buy more shares, they buy more shares. But they don't want to be. It was just a propaganda piece for the Celtic Trust mm-hmm. article. Yeah, they don't want. She wants to get enough shares to get some on the board. Who who gets on the board? Then it becomes. You have to be elected, really, Mark, to be on the board then as well, don't you? You have to be elected to be on the board uh-huh. of a football club. So that's to say, like, if Celtic Trust wants to be on the board or things like at the end of the day, they still have to be elected. It doesn't matter how much shares you have or how many things you have. You still have to be elected to get on that board. The board passed that. No, I mean, the board can pass. If Dermot mm-hmm. comes out and says, this, um, Dermot Desmond himself can push through something at Celtic, basically. You know what I mean? The amount of shares he controls. It yeah, like his son wanted. Like he wanted his son to come on the board kind of a thing. Want this. He can... Peter Lowell gets re-elected and this one gets re-elected and the fans have got no say in that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not a side that really concerns the board. Like like that side of the board, the share prices, you know. The board members are there to do their job. They, well, they didn't do it right this time, but they do try to do it the best uh, that they can for Celtic. But like my point is that this investment fund, they don't want to be physically in a board meeting things, that's not their style. They don't want to buy a club, that's not their style. They're just there to make money. Uh, and that's it. You know, there's no scare among them, there's no things. They don't want any involvement in the running of the club or decision making. No, no in, in all in, in all the things I read about like the, their their share prices and other things like they have them in Manchester United Juventus and numerous things. They don't have a board member or that kind of a connection with the club, they don't, they don't go to, like, they, they might go to matches, they might go to see them, but they don't, they're not in and around the club, to say it that way, Max, I mean, they're not in there walking around the dressing rooms, they're not in there walking around the stairwells, or things like that, they're kind of an anonymous investors, really, that's all they are. Faceless, in, faceless investors, they might be, be entitled to, to like if some, some kind of businessman out here, that are fucking mm-hmm. impressed, they could get them, Seats at Celtic Park with a slap up meal, yeah. and the thing, but uh, that would just to be impressed somebody that's no, they're no, exactly. They, they might have, they, they might own uh, like a, no, the a box like within the teams, like, yeah, exactly. Front door shaking hands with people saying, obviously, you know, like they go to their, their investors, look, yeah. I can get you tickets to a Celtic match there, or I can get you tickets to a Manchester United match, go watch them, kind of a thing, like, you know, for their investors. You know, as well, clubs need big investors and has exactly. A, exactly. 
just saying, was there Man United and Juventus? Folk are involved with them. And you don't, you don't hear Man United fans on talking about the shares that Lynch will train's going to Man United and worrying. Wait, no. Wait until they hear this podcast. Give <laughs> me a sign up of our chap and get the little the cells chopped out of Manchester. They're not even trying to exert any pressure by saying, well, we'll give you X amount of money if you give us something like a seat in the board back. Do you know what I mean? They're not even trying to exert any pressure that I can see. Mm-hmm. An interesting thing there, Mark, there from Glasgow Green, and I've seen it around the, the forum there, uh, rena- renaming the stadium would bring in money. That's a no-brainer for me. It's a complete no-brainer. I don't understand why they've not done it. As long as it's not something stupid like the Fountain of Youth or something like that. Like, would it be this the tradition then of Celtic Park and Parkhead kind of a thing, like, you know, that's... Well, Celtic Park, folk, you know what I mean, folk will still call it Park Kid, just because it's got a name that we're getting £10 million a year for, it being called on the telly and in adverts, does it matter? It's an interesting way to go, right, isn't it, uh, renaming the... I think there was a poll there on the on the form about that, but I didn't see... Uh, the results, but that would be actually uh, not not a bad idea. But, uh, would, has that ever been thought about, Mark? Has it? Sorry, Paul. What? Has, has that ever been thought about? You know, rename the stadium. It's been bandied about for years that the board spoke about it and said no, and then they were gone a day, and then changed their mind in that. But I don't know much truth in it. But you've got to think that Peter Wills at least looked into that. Over the years, I would think so. Yeah, like the, 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 with, with, as you said, like with his nose for making money like that, maybe he was he, he could have been in favour of it. But at the end of the day, you need a certain percentage too, Mark, to get decisions made. Like so, maybe it's like on a Saturday morning, you're not going to phone your pal and say, "Oh, are you going? You're are you going to the, the Adidas Arena today?" Or what? Do you know what I mean? You're still phoning your pal to say, "Are you going to sell at Park today?" Mm-hmm, exactly. It's, like, it's still known to the fans. Like it's just a name, really, for the uh, for the investor who bought it and the sponsors, really, who who actually. It's that method of advertising. It's just an exactly. short sponsor to me. Exactly. So we're moving on from there. Have you Richard on the line? No, it's still going to come through. Right, folks, we're going to move on. So we're going to try Barry. Yep. Just get Barry on, I. Yeah, so the reason I asked Barry back on was, uh, I was talking like that, look, we know John Kennedy's in up for the job and we know he should be kind of moving on this summer, but I'm not, I I want to talk to Barry about his insights into the likes of Gavin Strachan, uh, our sports science, uh, Tim Williams, things like with the failures of this season. Should the likes of these coaches actually be moved on, the likes of Stevie Woods, who I know is greatly... Appreciate Rin Celtic and is a good coach, but he scored his Barkas and with the failings of Barkas this season and Scott Bain being our third choice goalkeeper this season. Is there question marks about, about Stevie Woods this season? You know? So if Barry's on the line. Just try to, um... You know, what, what's your thoughts on that, actually, Mark? You know, I just, I'm just going to put out your vote about Stevie Woods. You know, like, I know he's basically a. Best best coach goalkeeping coaches in Britain. I don't think mm-hmm. there's a question of getting him get rid of Stevie Woods. I think that's Barry connected. Now you there, Barry? I'm here, guys. Oh, right. 
Hi, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks for coming on again, bud. Just a quick thing before we move, move on. What's your thoughts on this uh, Lincel Trust Limited uh, involvement in, in Celtic, what we were just talking about? Yeah, to be quite honest, guys, that doesn't really concern me, um, you know, investors. It sounds very much kind of just like what you guys have said. You know, these guys are in it to make money. They're not, I doubt they're, they're very much uh, really interested in the running of the football club. I don't think they'll be looking to sort of increase their stake unless the the share price goes down. Like I say, it's a money-making scheme for these guys. I don't think they'll be looking to, you know, to, to get in touch with Desmond to, to try and force a takeover or what have you. Like I say, so in my opinion, these guys are just seeing an opportunity when the share price dropped uh, to, to increase their stake in the, in the club and the knowledge that, you know, further down the line there's a good chance that the share price will go up again and, and they'll make their money. Like like you guys have said, you know, that they've got interest in other football clubs as well, but uh, for me it's a purely money-making scheme. Exactly. It's like the Celtic Trust, like, are uh, kind of put the scaremonger out to the fans that this kind of uh, investment fund is our second shareholder and if they took over, they're just interested to sell. You know, and that's that. That's why this kind of blog came about. How many Celtic fans would have known that if you hadn't, if that article hadn't come out yesterday? How many, how many guys in the chat would have known? I certainly wouldn't have 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 have, have And that's the honest truth. Like I, I certainly wouldn't have. Do you know what I mean? I, I just saw it yesterday. I said, this is something interesting. Like that, these fans are trying to put the the scaremonger out to Celtic fans that this this. Uh, investment uh, companies involved in Celtic, you know? You don't send your shares over to us, it'd be part of your Celtic trust. This could happen, what's happened in, down in England during the week could happen to us, and yeah. basically what they're saying. Yeah, Glasgow Green said there, he actually didn't know anything about him, so I say a lot of fans don't, don't know. And as Barry said, yeah, like, it doesn't really concern him, like, do you know what I mean? They're, they're not the major shareholder at the end of the day. They're, they're not there to make decisions. You know, they don't. They actually don't want. They said it like they don't want to be making the decisions within the within the club. They're just there to make their money. If their if their shares drop in the club, they'll invest more. But then they move around their shares then as well to, you know, that they, they just don't accept. They bought. We say if they bought twenty percent of shares, they'll send those five percent shares then to another investor who wants to come in within their group. Do you get me? Yeah. I, I've, I've, I've followed the Celtic Trust for a while, you know, from as an outsider's point of view, listen, and you know that they've been for a long time now trying to, you know, amalgamate as much shares as they can because what what their vision is, I think, is they want a bigger say, they want a voice and a sort of seat on the board. You know, like I said, I followed a lot of their articles, and you know, I think their sort of longer term vision as a trust is to, to sort of get ev- everyone together. I think there, I think there's a, a Celtic trust and a Celtic affiliation. Kind of a communication between the fans and the board kind of a thing, Barry, is this? Yeah, yeah, I think that's their, that's their plan. Like I said, I think that there's those three organisations, the trust, the affiliation and the organisation. And the Celtic Trust have been very vocal about uh, you know trying to get as many shares as possible because I think their long-term plan might very well be that to, to try and grab some sort of seat on the board and, and have some sort of voice and some sort of uh, you know supporters kind of say in the club. So I think this is that's probably the the idea behind releasing that article yesterday. But mm-hmm. yeah, like you say, like, as, a, as an everyday supporter, you know, I'm more concerned about what's what's happening on the park and, and where we're going and exactly. what's going to happen this summer. So yeah, I'm there's more important things really to yeah. be worried about than putting that kind of 
all the problem with Tapa fans at the moment, isn't there? But it's a good time to put it up when the fans are at a low point and angry with the board and angry with the way things have been run. Kind of a taking advantage of the situation, really, Mark, isn't it, you know? Politically, kind of thing, you know what I mean? It's just, I just see as soon as I read it, as soon as you mentioned to me, I said, then I says, I knew this was going to come up. Mm-hmm. I read the article, I was thinking, why? What's even the point of this article? What's it meant? Exactly. Eh? Exactly. So, saying that, I'm not slagging the Celtic Trust or that. I don't know that much about them. Or, do you know what I mean? I've read a few of their things and a lot of the stuff that I agree with. I'm just commenting on this actual story. You know what I mean? If you're into the Celtic Trust, it's your thing. Batter in. Mm-hmm. So, Barry, what I want to talk to you about, like we all we all agree John Kennedy should be moving on this season, that the, this rebuild is too big for him. But myself and Mark were talking about just basically the backroom team as a whole and how they kind of failed as well this season with set pieces, formation. And I was talking about Gavin Strachan. Like, since he came to the club this season, the fall in the first team has been dreadful. Now, considering he had in my opinion, big boots to fill that in in Damien Duff because Damien Duff worked with the best managers. He played on the best managers, and he's he's inside the football is supposed to be brilliant. Well, we see Gavin Strachan on the sidelines giving the instructions to the players when they come on as substitutions. Is he up for that job, giving these instructions, or do we need to give him time to settle in? That there was so much of a hype this season, there was so much of a downfall. Can he shed some of this blame of this thing this season with the lack of fitness, uh, the lack of knowledge in, in formation, tactics and stuff like that, Barry? You know what, I think I think it's difficult to actually put, put my finger on, you know, what, what Strachan is doing on the side. You know, he's got that laptop of his and I'd imagine it's filled with data, you know, in terms... Analysts, yeah. that's what he's... I couldn't even guess what kind of stuff they need to look at. We're just number crunching to me. But he is meant to be very good at doing that. Whether he's yeah. a coach is another matter. But oh, yeah. Barry, keep going. Yeah, no, you know, you know, I think that that's a good point, Matt. You know, so but for me, I'm not sure as, as a data analyst, is that somebody that should be sitting in a dugout, or is that somebody that can maybe be sitting in in the stands with his laptop, uh, you know, passing on. You know, it's quite easy to communicate information down to the to the uh, dugout, you know, but because you, you've seen umpteen times, you know, set pieces, losing goals at a set piece, and then obviously Lennon, uh, Kennedy, and they'd all be looking at this uh, laptop, you know, I, I don't know if they're looking at replays of the set piece, I don't know, but, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't you, you said there, you know, Paul, Damien Duff, you know, Damien Duff didn't have, have the laptop, you know, he was regarded as a good coach, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to say that you know Gavin Strachan's at fault. You know, I think uh, you know as a whole, it, it's just been a bit of a disaster this season, and I think everybody has to share some of that responsibility. You know, the coaching staff, uh, but a, a large part is the players also. You know, the players have let themselves, the club, and everything down as well. But you know, with regards to, to, to Gavin Strachan himself, what he brings, I, I don't really know. So I, I, he's he, title at the moment, right? He's title at the moment now is assistant manager, caretaker manager John Kennedy, right? And before that, he was first team coach. And he used to do like, he, he, he's supposed to be a dasher. And that's sure to God, like, if, if they're, like, I, I, I presume, Barry, when you are, are playing football, you kind of would look at a replay of, of your last match. And if he lost goals, you pinpoint 
where those goals came from, like, and showed what they must have been doing something about these set pieces within this data analysis stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, that, that's what's difficult to comprehend, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, because absolutely right. I mean, and I'm sure they still do it to this day, you know, any performance, whether it be good or bad, the performance, they normally have a, a, a review day whereby they'll sit and they'll watch the 90 minutes and, and see where they could have done things better, see where, you know, things have gone well and produce on. But like you say, with regards to the set piece, it, it just, you know, it doesn't make sense. You know, I think at one point I read I read an article saying, and this wasn't so long ago, that 47% of all the goals that Celtic had lost this season had come from set pieces. So to continually get that wrong, it's it's crazy. But, I mean, my own personal view is when set pieces, you know, when there's, there's crosses coming to your box, corners, free kicks, you know, crosses from open play, as a player, you've, you've got to have a desire to actually go and defend your goal, actually go and be aggressive, have a mm-hmm. desire to go and head that ball away. And I don't see that. I really don't see that in, in our players, you know, and not just... Is that down to zone, is that down to the zone and marking, do you think, Harry? You know, something... You still need could, the same attitude, really, to get the ball away. Could, could be zonal marking, but at the end of the day, I think, like, uh, you know, your bigger centre-halves, you know, your, your Ayers, Julian, when he was playing, now, now Stephen Welsh, Beaton, etc., they do tend to pick up players. They, they do tend to pick up a man, and the, the zonal sort of system comes in with, it's, I guess it's your sort of shorter players, they, they'll go and mark an area. But ultimately, the, these guys tend to go and pick up the players. And for me, you, you just need to have a desire, you know, going up against whoever it may be, and, and saying, you know, I'm not going to let you win, I'm going to win this ball. Be aggressive, go and head, your, head, head that ball away, defend your goal like, your life depended on it, and I've never seen that. I've never seen it at all this season. Is it down to the players? You think the ability to do that? The players have got to, to shoulder the responsibility for that because I'm sure, like I say, it would have been identified by the management team that w- w- in the early part of the season we're conceding too many goals from set pieces, and not just goals because it, there's been misses from other clubs as well. You know, it's actually they're not exactly. winning. Yeah, so not every time a ball comes in has resulted in a goal lost, but it's still resulted in the opposition winning the initial ball in the air, which, you know, is a concern. And for me, that the the management team would identify that, and they would have like been every, obviously making every, it aware. Yeah, like... We need to defend our, our box better. We need to be aggressive. We need to be the ones going and winning those balls in the air. And it's just never happened. And and for me, like I say, a lot of people will, will, will point the finger at John Kennedy, I'll point the finger at Neil Lennon. Why is this not being addressed? You know what? Possibly. But for me, the the the, the players have got to shoulder responsibility. They've got to have that passion, that desire to go and defend their goal. You know, and days gone by, you know, defenders took a pride in clean sheets. You know, defenders, goalkeepers, they celebrated a clean sheet as much as a striker would celebrate a goal. But I just don't see that sort of that passion and desire to go and win, the aggression to go and you know dominate the opponent in the air. And as a result, you know it's plain to see that the stats don't lie. We've lost umpteen goals, you know, and we're well, going on like, Wednesday night. It doesn't kind of really matter, Barry. Like, like who comes into that defence at the moment? Like we're still kind of leaking these goals, you know, and that's why, like that, that's what worries me. Do you know what I mean? That. It doesn't matter who we bring in. Problem, Paul. 
I know that Barry's saying about the players and them having the heart to fight for that wee extra inch when they go for a header and things like that. But all basically, the, the defensive frailties in the team, it, it comes back to coaching. No, I asked, like, and a few people always ask John Kenny as a defense, defensive coach, and I look through every single coach in the, the Celtic setup, even down to the academy, and there's no defensive coach there, really. It's like, who's ever, like we say, Steve McManus and Darren O'Dea, they'll pass on their knowledge to the defenders who's there. You know, but, but like, there's actually no defensive coach. Is there such thing, Barry, as, as a defensive coach nowadays in football or... You, you know, because it's the same thing with Arsenal. Sorry, it was the same thing with Arsenal. Sorry, when um, Arsenal Wenger appointed Steve Bold when he was uh, assistant manager, and everyone thought that he would improve Celtic's uh, uh, Arsenal's defence, but he never did really. You know, like so people just think that because you're you were defender and you're a manager that you should be concentrated more on the defence, but it doesn't work that way, does it? No, I don't think so. You know, so I've never really heard of a defensive coach as in you know someone being employed specifically just to deal with the defence I've never really known that or heard of that within a football club but uh, it does come down to the coaching and it does come down to the sort of management setup. and I think you know with Celtic and not, not just this season I think in years gone by that yes. you know that, that there's been times where we have been vulnerable uh, at the back and, and not just from set plays you know for, from open play there's been a time that you know uh, Most of Europe, really. I was about to say that, especially in Europe, you know, these guys are exposed defensively, and and that comes down to the way your team's set up. I think sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, domestically, we're going to have the, the lion's share of possession. You know, we're going to be on the front foot most of the time. So, you know, I think they get away with it a lot. However, you know, if you've not set a team up properly, i.e., having you know guys in your midfield that will protect your back four. Because a lot of the time, you know, you see, it's only sometimes Scott Brown that's there, uh, you know, in, in years gone by, looking to protect that back four. If the system's not right, if the setup's not right, then your defence <coughs> is going to be exposed. And if your defenders aren't great defenders, it's, it's going to have a, 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 a poor end outcome. And I think, like, our defenders aren't the greatest. You know, I, I think we spoke before, Ayer's a fantastic player. I don't think he's a great defender. Mm-hmm. I don't think Chris Ayer's a great defender. I just don't think he was intentionally. Sort of I first thought he brought in as a centre midfielder, kind of a de- defensive midfielder. Was was his position when he came under Ronnie Dyle, wasn't this? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, he, was he was bought as, as a centre midfielder, and Rogers obviously saw some sort of qualities in him to to, to convert him into a centre half. But I think sometimes what you don't have when you're not a natural defender is the, your defensive instinct. Exactly. Sometimes your defensive awareness. Sometimes that's exactly. difficult to see. It's the same with um, Nibisal. When he goes in, he's not he's not technically aware of what his position should be when he's defending. You know, because he's used to having players behind him. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, 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 it's just it's another example. Beton's another one. And, and what that does is it means that you know a lot of time you're not aware of where maybe the attacker is. You're not aware where the strikers are. You maybe do a bit of ball watching. Uh, and and like I say. That that's just down to the fact that they don't have that defensive awareness. But mm-hmm. for me, it comes down to the actual setup of the team. And sometimes you have to protect that back four because it has been vulnerable at Celtic for for a number of years. 
Um, you know, I don't think we've ever had maybe, you know. I think we've seen it more so this season that we don't really have a quality keeper in between the sticks, really. In it, these goals are actually getting get, getting scored because nine times out of ten, Foster or Craig Gordon would have saved them. Do you know? Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any doubt. Having uh, you know a top class goalkeeper in the goal, it gives your defence confidence. Exactly. You know your exactly. defenders are confident, but but if that obviously like if your keeper makes a, a great save within the first 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 five ten minutes of the game, that's confidence straight away. If your defence goes right, I have him behind me. I'm comfortable with him behind me. Do you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and like I say, the, the defenders take confidence from that, and, and if they've got a trust in their goalkeeper. Sort of gives them a bit more confidence in their defending and, and a sort of relationship and an understanding between the centre halves and the goalkeeper. But unfortunately, like you say, it, it's not been there this season. And uh, we've tried three keepers and, and none of them have really impressed all that much. So we so move on from striking. So we we'll, uh, we we move to the keepers. And, and my question is like Stevie Woods is regarded as one of the best coaches in in Britain. He's He's exceptional. Like he, he would choose some great keepers. But in Foster, he, he he developed Gordon. But should he shed some of the blame on the 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 falls this year of the goalkeeper situation? Bark has failed miserably. Bain, who was top choice last season, is now our number one. We had to bring Connor Hazard in from the youth system to to, to play games. Should that? I know you haven't been a goalkeeper, by but you saw trainings and stuff like that. You know. Should he shed some blame here on, on this goalkeeper situation that, that we're in at the moment? You know what, I, I, I don't know, to be honest, Paul. It's difficult to tell. I think, you know, Mark touched on it earlier. Steve Wood's reputation as a goalkeeper is probably second to none in the country. You know, mm-hmm. over over the years, you know, the goalkeepers that we've had and, and, and been coached under Woods have, have been of a right good standard. So, it's difficult, you know, there, there could be a number of factors uh, I think you guys have spoken about it in previous podcasts. You know, Barkas has come over. I'm probably not quite willing to write him off just yet, but he's come over to a time where you know we're in the middle of a pandemic. You know, he's not given getting the social interaction. He's not getting a, a real grip of the city of Glasgow. I don't know if his family are over here. I'm not sure, but a lot of these factors can impact your performance. And if, if things aren't maybe you know quite right at home or whatever like I said he's maybe not seen his family he's maybe not settled into the country properly that that could play a part in his performances and, and I, I don't think like I don't think Steve Woods could, could shoulder the blame for that um, but like I said I, I don't know you know I'm not sure if his family are what is it called keeper course like would would like would you have noticed like on, on training like some of the drills like would they have been working on these set pieces like you know and you know, like uh, the corners and stuff like that. Like, sh- like the goalkeeper should be, in my opinion, telling players like loose man here, loose man there. Are those days gone in football? Do you think? You know. Well, I I don't know if they're gone in football. It certainly happened back in the day. There was obviously, uh, you know, that that was worked on. You know, that set pieces is worked on, and and like I say, your, your goalkeepers involved in that as much as your. Uh, defenders are and it's all about communication you know the goalkeeper should really be setting up where he wants his defenders to go mm-hmm. he, he, should, he should be setting up where he wants protected there should be like guys on the posts etc although that's something that we don't do I've noticed certainly don't put anybody on the posts at set pieces but our keepers uh, don't seem to be vocal enough Barry so they don't mm-hmm. they don't seem to be commanding their area or you know is that down to like 
average keepers that we have at the moment does. I was like, you know. It could be down to a confidence thing, Paul. It could be just mm. a confidence thing, you know, if, if, if things aren't going the way for goalkeepers, you know, the communication line could confidence fall Confidence really is, 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 is a goalkeeper thing. Like, you know, confidence really. Like, if you're bought into a club, I, I know back has had some bad days, like, and being told then by Neil Lennon on live TV that you're number one keeper for the, the Rangers game, and um, and then the, the week after, you're, you're being, like, he comes out then again and says... Uh, he he he's not the keeper or kind of like I thought he would be kind of a thing. like that's going to hit your confidence as a player of any player within position in in the club, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean that that was you know that was a bit of a strange one, wasn't it? Lennon coming out and saying that and then dropping him within I think two or three games. Um, but like I say, you know, Bart he's not really done himself any favors. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't. He, he's really not. I can't actually remember him producing a save of note in, in any game this season. It seemed to be, unfortunately, anything that goes on target tends to go in when he's been in the goal. Because I was watching a good thing by um, by, by Packy Bonner, right? And he was saying about about Barkas, and he said he he said he studied him before he came. He says the the Greek league is like the Italian league; it's based on defending. And in the Greek league, they always have great defenders in front of you that the keepers kind of really there to make a big save, really, do you know, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And that was Celtic defence being so poor this season that he's really been exposed. And he said when Celtic scouts were watching him, they were watching him in flashes because the defending was so good. Do you know? And, they, yeah. you know? Well, I mean, that, that, that could come down to it, you know, if, if he's playing in a league whereby, or a team that's, Spends a lot of time defending, or, or, or you know, quality defenders. Then he's not asked to do as much. But like you said, mm-hmm. you know, in our league, we don't spend a lot of time defending. And when we do, there is times that you know we we'll look exposed. And if that's the case, then you know he then becomes exposed. And as a result, he's you still kind of want him. You still shouldn't be exposed. You know, still, exactly, yeah. exactly. You still want him and, to make mistakes. Yeah, and, and some of the errors he has, you know, there have been quite basic errors. Some of the goals he's let in, you know, like a weak wrist here and, you know, a misjudgment there. It has been quite, you know, basic errors. It's not been like, uh, you know, it's, it's not been something that you think he was unlucky there. Yeah, the, the, the goals that you're there post are, you know, that he's been conceding as well, like, Basic goals that you expect the keeper to save, really, and it does. It's from Scott Bain as well. It's just not from Bar- Barker. Like they're the kind of goals that you expect your keeper to save, really. Do you know? Do you, do you know? Yeah, I mean, I think, like I say, we've tried three keepers this year, and I don't think you know any of the three of them fill any of the fans with confidence. I still think that potential number one there is up for grabs, and whether that be that it's one of the three that are there for me. I can you uh, looking at trying to bring somebody in in the summer? Can you, uh, Mark, uh, actually r- remember a team like I, I'm not including injuries now because injuries it does happen. Like um, we had no injuries really this season. We're no keepers that when a team uses three keepers in one season without injuries. Can you uh, can you oh. remember a team? I I I honestly can't. I find it very strange like that we actually use three keepers in our league this season you know and, and we still actually to this day we don't the, the fans can't say who's number, who, who number one is or, you know look at how clear that problem it was Paul that we have mm-hmm. to give three of them the chance and then the three of them have actually 
grabbed it. Just no. Again, it's down to Barry saying there it's about the confidence between the goalkeeper and the defence and how it affects each other and that. But none of the keepers really shone out at all. Young Connor Hazard, you give him the lucky that, well, he's only a young guy, he's only going to get better. And I think in time he could. I said that I think he'll get a loan next season. And by that time, mm-hmm. I, think he, I wouldn't mind Celtic buying a good keeper. See, it's somebody that isn't 36, 37, just for this coming season, and the hope that Connor Hazard can come back and push for a number one jersey next year. Do you think then, though, like we say, like so Kennedy now striking or going to Stevie Woods saying, who do you think is ready this week to be in goal? And if the, do you think Bark has ready? Do you think uh, maybe Stevie Woods, uh, Barry saying, look, no, he's... Still not up to it yet. Maybe, maybe next season when the fans are here, look, give me another couple of months with him. Let me kind of build up his confidence in training. You know, I see keeping him. Do you think Stevie Woods is going to do that? Well, I, I don't think there's any shadow of a doubt that that's what happens. You know, the the goalkeeper and coach they work they they work you know, the goalkeepers better than anybody. So they'll be able to see you know things like confidence, performance, and training, and the drills that they do, and the small sided games that they do. The goalkeeping coaches have a, have a massive input in the goalkeepers, uh, so th- there's no doubt in my mind that Stevie Woods will be having conversations, you know, on a daily basis with, well, probably with Neil Lennon beforehand, and that's that's probably why we've had to use three keepers. You know, Stevie Woods will have a massive input in that, and I'd imagine he'll be, he'll be doing the same just now with John Kennedy. Although, like I say, the, the season's you know it's done and dusted. You know, three games to go. I don't think it really matters who plays in the goal between now and the end of the season. It might be an opportunity to throw Barkas back in there and try, but I don't think it'll make any sort of impact. But yeah, I mean, to get, answer your question, there's no doubt in my mind Stevie Woods will be having an input in the, the goalkeeping situation with the team. I think here's um, like from from the two lads, from Boz there and, and Terence there, saying McGregor has been the the best player this season within the league. Is it a lack of experience here between our goalkeepers that this you know, Celtic go and we buy these young players, you know, hoping to sell them on and, and things like that? Should should Celtic be going out to buy an experienced keeper? We say like like we say David Marshall or Tom Heaton who wants to leave at the end of the season down down in the south. So Celtic should be looking at that kind of keeper and maybe for these young keepers to learn off the likes of David Marshall and Tom Heaton coming in. Considering how good McGregor was this season, David Marshall's been relegated four times. True. I'm just throwing it out, yeah. But I'm saying, I'm just saying, like a, a, an experienced, an experienced keeper. You know that that way. You know, like should we bring in an experienced keeper and let these fellas learn off him? Though that can, that kind of way, you know. I think unless you're exceptional as a young keeper, I think you're you're better going for a, an older keeper. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Foster, Fraser Foster was an ex- he was a great young keeper. You could tell that he was going to be a good goalkeeper. So that was mm-hmm. but see if you're gambling on whether they're going to be a good goalkeeper or not, I would rather go for somebody with a wee bit more experience. It's it's really not an ex- uh, a position that you can gamble on, really, in this. You know, it's it, it's it's really not. You know, what are your thoughts on that, Barry? Like, should we go for an experienced keeper next season? I think it depends who's available, really. Uh, experience is a big part of being a goalkeeper, isn't it? And I think, like, depending on who's available, I'd be maybe quite keen 
to, to bring in a more experienced head. But really, it's to do with the quality of the keeper as opposed to the experience. Um, like, like you've kind of said, it's, it's a massive you know, area on the, on the field, a massive position in a football team. And as, as it's kind of proved you know, on the other side of the city this season, he saved them a huge amount of points with his performances. And, and like that, you know, if you look at the defenders uh, uh, in front of McGregor, you know, last season they, they were they were really poor and really struggling, but, you know, he kind of seems to give them a bit of confidence. Yeah, you know, you know what we talked about last time, Barry, with uh, McGregor, is that it's his passion for his club that he brings into the game. And he's psyched up for every game he plays for Rangers, especially against Celtic. But you don't see that from all, not just the keeper, but any player at this precise moment is the passion. And like the passion will go a long way in the way you play for your club. You know, you might be the best player, but if you gave it all and you got stuck in, you got stuck into tackles, that will go a long way for you in helping your career at Celtic if you actually showed the passion that McGregor showed for Rangers this season. You know? Listen, 100%. I've not seen that at all this season, and that's been the disappointing thing. I've not seen mm-hmm. any kind of sort of passion or or attitude from the players this season. Uh, and like I sort of touched on on the other you know podcast, us as Celtic supporters, we can accept that we're not going to win every game, or you know they're not going to be the performances are not going to be there every uh, game. However, if if the players show the right attitude, the right commitment to to, to the team. Into the cause that then that that'll be accepted, but you know it's not been there this season. It, it's, a, no. it's a crazy season for Celtic because, like I said previously, you can accept like bad spells. The, the teams will go through bad spells. Players will have off games, you know, and it might last a game or two, two or three games possibly. But for it to have been there this whole season, it's, it's just uh, you know it's unforgivable <laughs> to be honest. Exactly. So I'm going to move on to Steve Woods. And the reason I wanted to bring this fellow, I know Barry was there much kind of sports science in your days when you were playing. I doubt that very much, I think, was there? No, there's not. I did mention that to Mark earlier, you know, with, so, with regards to sports science. Mark, Mark, Mark made me doing a bit of research, so <laughs> I decided to do it. So Celtic's head of sports science, right, is a fellow called Tim Williams, right? He was bought to the club in 2002 by Martin O'Neill and left in 2007 to go to Birmingham City as their head of sports science, right? So, brought back to the club in 2010 by Neil Lennon when he took took over, right? After Ronnie Dyer's first season, Ronnie Dyer sounded out that he wasn't good enough, and he brought in his own the sports specialist and injury prevented thing and demoted Williams to first-team physio, Right? When Ryan Dye left, Brendan Rodgers came in, the board reappointed him to head of sports science. But again, Brendan Rodgers wasn't happy with this, and he brought in his own staff. But uh, Williams still had the title as head of sports science, but it was Brendan Rodgers' men who were behind. And when Brendan Rodgers left, he took his own staff with him. And when Lennon came in as caretaker manager, Williams was again appointed as sports science. Right? So currently, at this moment, he's the head of sports science. So any manager that comes in, demotes him because they see that the players have fish. They're constantly picking up injuries within his department. By he's the head of all these physios and their training, their 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 strength conditioning, 
it's two question marks over, I suppose, the, the, the science departments, considering that two new managers came in the last 10 years and this, this fellow, Tim Williams, has got demoted and it was Neil Lennon that brought him back to the club. Uh, that's a bit suspect, isn't it, that likes of Rodgers not have come in and demoted him, so you've got to question like, what levels he operate in that kind of thing. But the thing about the sports science department is they've only, they can only provide information to the manager. See if the manager's no no willing to deal with that information or use it, they, it doesn't really, that's not the sport the sports science department's fault for me. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, I, I'd agree with that. That's kind of what I, I was going to say. You know, what, what these guys do is they, they produce the data. Uh-huh. You know, they'll be able they'll be able to tell uh, the manager how, how many kilometres a player covers over ninety minutes, uh, things like that, heart rates, you know, all this blood pressure. They they provide all that information, and and I think as well they sometimes suggest when a player's requiring rest. I think I think they they look at patterns of you know how much distance a player's covered over, and if those patterns dip. I think it comes down to they're maybe needing a rest and they're maybe needing to take a game out or whatever it is. But, I mean, for me, that doesn't have a big impact on uh, the way the teams run. Like I say, that, that information, for me, that would be just delivered to the management team and the coaching staff. And it's then up to them how they use that uh, data that's provided. But uh, I, I don't... Like I say, the fact that Dyla and uh, Brendan Rodgers both demoted uh, the guy. I'm sure he's involved with Scotland as well. That, that name rings a bell. I'm sure he's involved mm-hmm. with Chick Scotland. Williams, so. yeah, he's been in the, in the wrongs uh, the football for, for, for years. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's something that needs to revise. Like, like, like whoever the manager's going to come in, if that's something that he wants to, to bring his own sort of staff, sports science, if that's something that he's trusting, then it is something that might have to, to look at. Oh, it'll be him that'll do that, hopefully. Be a director of football. Sure, you got yeah. like yeah. there should be kind of question marks off to him. Like if if two, if two managers came in, like and we know Ronnie Doyle was was beat into the fitness, and and he came in, he changed all the diets of of these players. Brendan Rodgers players were were, were fitness were at their fitness uh, peaks as well. And producing Paul was an acceptable level, Elaine. Whereas yeah, but then is wasn't he high enough for Rodgers? But then we say then yeah, but you go then like that that we say like uh, players need and rest, right? That these fellows would monitor that how sure it be called that they could have noticed that Callum McGregor needed a rest within this Celtic team. Do you know was it, or maybe he did pass it on and Neil Lennon like noticed? Could that have happened, do you think, or 
if Cal McGregor could have said you're no drop me. I think as well, you, you know, you would think the powers that be might have some questions to be asked. You know, you know, if you were in charge of a football club or if it was Peter Law or whoever, if two managers that you've employed have decided they don't think this guy's fit for the role, yeah, you know, Neil Lennon, you, you would think that they might have some questions as to why that was. You know, but it seems like that this sort of kind of suits Neil Lennon's kind of lack of management. Do you know that the, like, if it was Neil Lennon, you know? Maybe this, that guy isn't as strict as they were under Delia or Rogers. The players exactly. A bit more. And that probably, yeah. that probably suited Lennon's kind of laid back kind of. Or Could that have been why the fitness levels kind of dropped within the club then, do you think, that it was getting so more relaxed between all the departments in the club, like sports science, was that getting more relaxed under Lennon that it kind of wasn't an area that Leland kind of touched really? Do you think that the standards have dropped I, in that department? I do, I think the standards have dropped across the board, Paul, right across the board, even down to sports science and the diet and stuff and things like that. I don't even think the players are looking after themselves the way they were under James Rogers and that was here. Mm-hmm. What's your, uh, Barry? Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think I could disagree with that. I think as well the, the sort of level of professionalism as well. Overall, uh, standards, yeah, the club. Uh, which is disappointing. It really is. In this day and age, it is disappointing because, you know, the president was set by... Uh, Brent, probably Brendan Rodgers. You know, I think Ronnie Dyla, he had uh, a different outlook on things. He brought a sort of fresh approach from from uh, you know a foreign country. Uh, but the standards were certainly set when Brendan Rodgers came in, uh, and I think it's clear to see that th- those those standards have dipped considerably since uh, he was replaced by Len, and, and it's something that we need to try and get back. You think Eddie Howe would bring his standards back? <laughs> You, you know what? I, I, it's difficult to, to know what, what Premier League you'd be looking for. That we like to think that Rogers brought a kind of Premier League standard to her behind the scenes, because that's what it was just to. So would maybe he'd be looking for the same thing? Do you think? I, I think he definitely would. I mean, like like you say, he's a Premier League manager, and, and he's also a sort of he's, he's a young forward thinking coach, isn't he? So. Things like your your sports analysts, your sports scientists, your analytics, all that, you would think that, that that's part of modern day football and that's what Eddie Howe seems to be. I mean, that's what, you know, Jurgen Klopp and, and uh, Brendan Rodgers have, have talked about Eddie Howe himself being the next sort of up and coming young manager in English football in his time in Bournemouth. So I'd like to think that he would bring back that standard and certainly, uh, like I say, he'll have a big sort of take and and things on sports science and, and, and analytics and that, because that, that, that is the modern day game. So going on Eddie Hall there, right, I've, I've read today, right, that the reason that his thing has been delayed is that because he wants to bring all his coaching staff that he had with, with Bournemouth, and they're still employed by Bournemouth, right, so he actually wants to bring in his own sports science people from Bournemouth, so he wants to hold, a whole clean deck is what he wants, he wants to bring his first team coaches, there's not mention of a keeper, but he wants to bring all this kind of sports and these technology fellas that he worked with in the Premier League. So he wants to bring that standards up, right? But Celtic can't strike a deal with Bournemouth at the moment because Bournemouth are in the playoffs of the, the first division, right? So if Celtic went to get to buy these lads now, they'll get them at a reasonable price. 
but Bournemouth are, are, are not going to negotiate nothing until they get put, if, until the season finishes, really. And if Bournemouth get uh, promoted, these guys will get a pay rise and Celtic will have to pay more money. So, it's really confused like that Celtic are really going to be overpaying the odds here on on coaches that Eddie Howe wants to bring in, do you know? I don't know how much truth I've put in that story right enough, but if that's true, then I'd tell them nothing that's not happening. We're building for the future. As I spoke about, we're going to bring in a director of football that's going to be in charge of all this stuff. So that see when Eddie Howe or whoever it is up sticks in two or three years back to England, it's all that mm-hmm. a manager and maybe his assistant we're looking at. Our background will still run the exact same as it has been doing under the director of football. You see, because Mark, the thing is, the point I heard as well is, is Barry, that like he just doesn't want to bring in things. The, the, the rumour is that Eddie Howe still wants to bring in his own director of football, Richard Hughes, and, and we still don't know that we still, we're, we're hoping it's Harkin as director of football, but nothing's been confirmed. And like, if if Celtic are waiting for this to finish, and we say we do do a big clean up and we let Eddie Howe bring in all his own people and stuff like that, and he's under, like, that's surely a big mistake by Celtic to do that because, as you said, they're like two, three years down the line, Eddie Howe goes, we're going to be in the same situation when Brendan Rodgers left. The head of recruitment is going to be gone. Our director of football is going to be gone. All our first team coaches will be gone. And we'll be left to basically starting from scratch. Within two, uh, there's no there's no time for... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, again. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Lenin will come back for a caretaker's job. I'll, <laughs> I'll be honest. Show. It's a broke. Yeah. Come on, Barry. I, I, I don't... I, I, you know, you read story after story uh, with regards to Eddie Howe, and I, you know, to be honest, I don't think the media have an absolute clue what's going on. Mm-hmm. They, they are just when we know, we know that there was a meeting. We know there was a meeting with. Sorry, a kid shot him last night. Every. Uh, that's ex- he's wanting this mirror. That's exactly it, Matt. That's is that. You know, we know there was a meeting with Desmond and Howe. What the outcome of that meeting was, we don't know. I, I personally think I said it on the last podcast. I believe Eddie Howe. Uh, it's going to be our manager. I believe the deal's done. That's just my opinion. But mm-hmm. since that, it's all gone quiet. And now what's happening is the, the media are wanting to know why. So the first thing it was, it was he was wanting to appoint Richard Hughes, as he's, and, and that was the sticking point. The next thing it was, he's waiting on Crystal Palace and Newcastle jobs to come up, and he's making Celtic wait. Then it was, he, he's, he's still getting paid by Bournemouth. And now it's, uh, he's wanting his own staff. I, I don't buy into that. Like I say, I might be, I might be 100% wrong. There might be truth to some of these stories, or he might not actually end up getting the job. It might be something completely different, but I just think that the media are struggling just now. They don't know what's going on. The silence from Celtic, they don't, they don't know. And as a result, they're producing these stories uh, as, as what's a sticking point to the deal. But, I mean, you're absolutely right, Paul, like, uh, Eddie Howe, he should not be appointing the director of football. Celtic football it's what's best for Celtic Football Club, not not what's best for Eddie Howe. Like I so said, I've got no problem with him appointing uh, maybe an assistant and a first team coach, etc. But for me, Eddie Howe doesn't appoint the, the director of football at the football club. We need to do what's best really for him. You never see really a manager that kind of wants his own director of football in the club. Really, it's, it's, it's actually the other way around that. The director sets up the whole layout that he wants within the club yeah. from the from the youth levels up to the first team. Like that, sure, like the 
the, they bring in a manager then that suits the, the director's football way of playing. Man City, and you've got Guardiola and their director of football, I couldn't even pronounce it, he's got a Texas Gregan or something like that. They worked together for years at Barcelona. They brought, I think they went, even went to Bayern Munich together, but they've been together for years and it's a winning combination. You can understand if you're making that kind of revolution in your club, but we're looking at these guys coming from Bournemouth. Do you know what I mean? It's not exactly c- coming with this kind of pedigree and it's starting to look at it. That's what Eddie Howe's trying to do. It's just going to be another Joe's for the boys situation. And, then, and listen, yeah, Sorry. No, I've just got to say, when the wheels fall off, it'll be a hell of a crash again. If it, mm-hmm. everything Eddie Howe's wanting done, it should yeah. be a beat. Yeah. This next appointment really shouldn't be about Eddie Howe, it should be about the director yeah. of football, because that'll be the long-term outlook for the club. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And listen, Eddie Howe might very well want to, or, or, or trying to be advisor, because it, it might be that he's worked well with Hughes in the past. I, I think and that, he, he sees that. He just yeah. recommend him and says, look, he'll yeah. do that term. He'll do, I know he'll do he's a right good job at this for yeah. your club, which he's looking for. Could he be attached like to what uh, Ronnie said the other day, Mark, like in, like this fella, uh, Neil McGuinness, coming in as a, an advisory role to, to Harkin, as like... Uh, we say like a uh, communication between Harry. He like say, this is th- this is how Eddie Hall works. Like these are the kind of players he likes, and maybe he'd be the advisor to Harkin, saying then Harkin will go out and have a look at these kind of players that would suit the kind of play that um, that Harry likes. Eh, hey, I don't know what you mean, Paul. <laughs> I said like, so like say no. Eddie Hall wants Richard Hughes come in, in into the club, right? And Harkin is the director of football. Could he come in as an advisor to Harkin for Eddie Hall, saying like, the type of players that Eddie Hall wants and goes, and then it's up to, to Harkin to go get these players and scout these players with? Well, we were talking like, the, the last pod or the one before we said, maybe mm-hmm. this Hughes guy is going to be the head new chief scout. Harkin will be the director of football. And that huge guy's going to be the chief scout. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, Mark, Mark you're, you're bang on with with regards to the director of football. You know, the director of football needs to be what's best for Celtic. You know, the, the director of football should should be putting an infrastructure at the club that could last for the next ten years, and that might even be the manager after how. You know, like you say, they might have a shelf life of two to three years if, if he's successful at the if it is anyhow, and he's successful at the football club and he gets a move back to, um, you know, the English Premiership. Our director of football should be thinking beyond Eddie Howe and thinking, right, well, you know, let's let's have ideas in mind as to who potentially might be the manager after that. If it's exactly. Richard Hughes, I don't think that's going to happen. Exactly. Richard Hughes would likely to follow Eddie Howe. So for, for me, absolutely, the, the 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 director of football needs to be appointed by the football club because that's it's going to be what's best for Celtic and, and not what's best for Eddie Howe. Exactly. Like if the if the club like bought into own director of football, like if the manager leaves. The director of football still has the foundation there, it's just for the new manager to come in then and yeah. build the, on the these vis- formations. Really, the, vis- the vision, the vision remains the same. It's just mm-hmm. a new manager that's in place. But yeah, the, the structure of the club that that should be what's being planned for. So next, there's a few things that came up. Is the the and this all falls in under Tim Tim Williams' department, right? So this is why he picked it up. And. Uh, and it's injuries that we picked up so far this season. And 
the lack of how how long it takes these players to to come back after injuries like Mickey Johnson has been out for a long time, Julian's been out for a long time, Roderick has been out for all seasons that he's played with us. Is is your injuries, Barry, like dealt by the physios or treated by the physios? Are kind of different departments within the club, or is it mainly down to the physios? Your the way your rehab goes, your comeback goes. Are there different departments there that look after that? Well, I mean, I think it's just the physio department that deals with it. Um, you know, the, the, the way it would normally work is the physio has the list of the players that's been injured. Obviously, it's various different injuries. Uh, and then they have a programme and set up in a structure as to, you know, length of time, uh, treatments, rehab, everything like that. I don't think there's any any other department involved, but obviously there's, um, you know, d- different processes for for the different players that's injured. Um, you know, I, I think some of the injuries this season, I mean, you know, Julian's injury, for example, that that's, there's nothing you could do about that. You know, I think bad knee injury colliding with the post. But yeah, I mean, I mean the 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 department that deals with it is the physio department, and he'll he'll be in constant touch with uh, the management team with regards to how rehabs go in, the progress, time frames that they expect uh, the players to be out for. Uh, you know, are, are they falling within these time frames, or is there any setbacks? You know, there, there's not, there's normally daily communication between a manager and a physio with, with the injured players. The, the injury list and uh, you know a, a sort of progress support as to where where the players are when they can expect to see them back you know if it be a light training if it be jogging if it be you know and then when they can expect to see them back on the training pitch uh, they'll always have an idea in mind as, as when uh, the end result is when they're going to get back on the park uh, and playing for Celtic so, so that, by, that would normally be the process go by go by Tom Roger like is that down to the the individual picking up these these niggling injuries and being out for a couple of months or is it more of a mindset within the player's head picking up these injuries that he's out for longer? Barry? I mean, I don't, you know, Rog, unfortunately for Tom Rogers, he's kind of been, he's been plagued with injuries ever since he came into the club and sometimes, unfortunately, you just, you get those uh, types of players. Uh, Do you think it's down to the condition of the pitches in Scotland or... Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say it's down to uh, the condition of the pitches. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think maybe Scotland are, are maybe slightly heavier or, or, or more cut up than other ones. But no, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think sometimes it's just it can just be unfortunate that um, you know, a, a player can end up playing with injuries. You know, it might be the muscles they have, uh, a continuous injury. But yeah, no, I, I don't think it's down to anything other than sometimes it's just just the way a player's body is at times. Isn't kind of yeah. This way the, the player's body is. It says that like, I know like every player is different the way they react to an injury and stuff like that as well. In this, you know. So yeah. the next thing and Paul Ward brought it up here and I was going to bring it up as well is our scouting department, Barry of Lace, especially like. Everyone was happy really at the start of the season when we bought in these players. You know, I mean, like I was happy, Mark was happy when we bought in Duffy or, or Barquez or Yeshi. Like, big money for big players, for, for these players. I was quite happy, but is that a department that needs to be looked at, you think, the scouting area of it? Of it? You, you know what? I, I don't know. I agree with you. See, see if the start of the season. He said, right, Celtic are going to bring in a £5 million Greek international goalkeeper, uh, a left-back from AC Milan, 
Shane Duffy, a, a Premier League centre half, uh, sorry, centre half, a big aggressive, no nonsense. That's kind of what we've been looking for. Exactly. Uh, a sixteen million pound player, Nell Unusi from the English Premiership, and a five million pound striker from West Ham. If you're looking at that before a ball's kicked this season, you're thinking, you know what? It's right good business. It's right uh-huh. good business that we've done. Players we did. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We didn't really sell any players a note, uh, but for one reason or another, the transfers just haven't worked out. You know, I, I think probably only I, Turnbull would, would be the one that you'd probably say actually he, he's come in and he's done a job. For whatever reason that is, I don't know. That there could be a number of factors involved in that. So I'm not sure if the scouting department needs looked at. It might do. It might do. It might be that a, a restructure's in place. You know, in, in terms of um, scouting networks. You know, what what uh, markets would it look at going forward? Um, but you know, I, I don't know if. It's something that, you know, some scouts are just under instruction from the actual scouting department, whether that be Nick Hammond uh, or, um, oh, I forget the other guy's name, the guy that left as well. But, um, uh, uh, Pen, Penrice, is this? Penrice. Penrice, 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 yes. That's the one I'm looking for. The, the, the scouting network are sometimes under instructions. We're looking for this type of player. We're looking, you know, at, the, at this market. Uh, you know, in this country, or you know, so so they're coming back with with a list of players, and, and it's obviously it's quite an intense process in terms of everybody that's involved. Um, but like I say, this season the players that we got before a ball was kicked was really good business. However, for, for whatever reason that may be, it's not worked out. So you could potentially say there has been a failing because there's not many factors you need to take into consideration when you're signing a player. Uh, you know, things like. You know, is he going to? Does he speak the language? Is he going to be mm-hmm. able to settle in the country? Things down to the uh, points like, is this player married? That that that's a factor that you know. I think Alex Ferguson he wanted all his players married, didn't he? He said that himself. He wanted all his players married because it's things like being in a settled environment, a settled family at home. These are factors that make you you know perform at your best levels. Um, so there's yeah. a lot. There's a yeah, lot going on. That's <laughs> you wouldn't want to use but yeah I mean there's, there's quite an intense process goes and there should be a lot of homework done on players uh, and I would have liked to have thought that that was done before these guys were brought in um, but like I say for whatever reason the, the, the signings we've made this season bar Turnbull I would say not, not any of them are, are anywhere close to, to being a success well, do you know what I can't go on sorry Mark do you say something there I say it all the time I put a lot of the blame for that down at Lowell's feet it was him that was making the decisions of who who we actually signed. And Hammond wanted the fella or even Tony, didn't he? Hammond. I mean, that was another... That was even... To me, that was even stu- st- a bigger, stupid mistake than the John McGinn mess that he made. Mm-hmm. I didn't say the scouting was not doing this, the scouting was not doing that. There was also the big centre-back for you. I can't even mind his name. I've made... Kula Barley. I've made... Was Kula... No, I don't think it was him. He's... Worst Buckingham's news, you know. Who? No, it was. A, I think it was. A, I don't think it was. Was it Napoli or Lazio? But there was a centre back we were meant we could have brought in then as well on loan. And for me, we can say all oh, the scouting didn't work, but we don't know what what them above the scouting department's turned down. That's my. That's it. Like it could be like it, it could be like a list score to piece of now. Like 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 Barry said there. Like, like the scouts were scouting player. The thing like they go to peace level and it's up to you know, to negotiate your price. 
Ivan Corley, that's it. For oh, Corley, yes, Corley, yes. That's Corey, Corey, the black fella, yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, you can't say that anymore, coloured. So, like, like, so you're going by list. So they give him the list where there's two, three players on this list, the piece, Lawless, so two to go. And I think he's going down the list going, who's the cheapest option here? Who's, that can, is, he, is he looking that way, do you think, Mark, piece of Lord? He might even be looking at things like, oh, I mean, we're saying about Ivan Tony, but what was his agent looking for? That's it. Like that comes into the considerations as well, by the way. Lowe's got to look at their kind of things. Well, had to look at their kind of things as well, but he made a few mistakes in his choices. I'll say that. One of the ones I found strange this summer was the deal for a Yeti. Because by all accounts, the deal for a Yeti was a loan. And, mm-hmm. and I remember at one point reading an article saying uh, they were trying to negotiate a potential option to buy within that loan. Um, and then out of nowhere, no, no, that, that deal's been scrapped. He's coming in on a permanent transfer for £5 million. Now, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but if we had have managed to get that deal over the line with a loan with an option to buy, we'd be sending him back this, this summer because he's not produced. Who's I think that? if you if you remember back 
Ronnie Dyla said it coming into the club. Ronnie Dyla took over. That was after Lennon, wasn't it? That was after Lennon. Lennon had a pop back. Uh, Lennon had, had a pop back at him. Um, going on about trophies that he'd won but but Ronnie Dyla wasn't happy with the fitness levels of the players when he came into the club but I mean again there's a number of factors you know like diets things like that sometimes just your physical uh, your physical attributes you know like I think Matt you said this Fed Fed was kind of criticised by his manager for his, his but you know again there's just a young guy that's he's came across to this country must have turned it round now right enough but at one point, the manager said he'd be better off playing table tennis or something for a living. He was hiding in training. Half the time, he didn't know where he was. He was hiding behind players and that, so he couldn't see him. Who was that, Mark? That wee Marion Shved. Uh-huh. Is that, maybe no pronouncing that right. you know who I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yes. Aye, you, little Ukrainian winger. Ah, he seems to have turned it around now and they were raving about him the last I heard. So, like, do you think that when Celtic are kind of looking for a new manager, really, that he's kind of with the, the new development of football, you know, down to diets, the, the physical training of the strength, conditioning, fitness levels, you know, and and basically, like, technically very good. Like, Rogers was technically very good as well, but Rogers too, like, fell, fell in Europe massively for Celtic. You know, he he kind of wasn't really able to change Celtic into a defensive team in Europe and con- then we conceded so many goals and we were embarrassed in Europe. So like, not just like, you don't want the manager coming in who's an expert on attacking. You want them to be able to set up a team to defend in different games. Like, there's different games you need to defend. You know? Yeah, that- I, mean, I think, I think it, it all comes down to sort of modern day football. I think whoever Celtic get in the door, uh, there will be sort of Clued up on on the modern game. I like to say sports science, but structures setting up a team. But I mean, I mean, you're right. You know, the, the, a modern day manager needs to be able to uh, play different formations, recognise different systems, and and recognise that like like in games in Europe, that you know, if you're going up against bigger opposition, because Europe now, Celtic in Europe now, the gap is huge. You know, when mm-hmm. you're going up against the top European teams. The gap is huge, but we need to recognise that you know we we can't go toe to toe with certain teams. I mean, we need a manager that's going to be able to set up a team whereby it might be a slightly defensive style of football or, or a protective uh, style of football, uh, and that that just comes down to modern day ma- and good management. The fans would accept that, but yeah, you'd accept what they call that anti-football they say isn't it yeah. we'd accept Celtic playing that against Barcelona and teams yeah. instead of what Rodgers done is probably say going out and trying to go toe-to-toe with these teams it's just craziness yeah. manager that's got, as Barry said there we need somebody that can organise organise the team to suit the game that we're actually playing not just go out there with one plan and that's all they've got in their mind <laughs> so that's uh for Barry tonight, Barry. Thanks very much for for coming on again. I always appreciate to get your insights into football clubs and how they work from the inside. Uh, Mark, you've anything that for Barry or? No, thanks very much again for coming on, Barry. Great like every time you're on. Love listening to what you say. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Appreciate that. Perfect, Barry. Thanks. So, Barry, thanks. So. Next on the line is uh, Michael, Michael Dundee from the forum. He was on us the other day, but we decided to bring Michael back because he was pretty emotional after the last 
over the last Celtic game and how we accepted defeat and how the team performed. So Michael's going to come back on. We're going to go through the the next door form game and what what does he think we should do and should we start the, uh, the youngsters? And I just want to touch on one youngster there because I saw in the form is Kamuka Dambele's contract. His contract was actually supposed to be up the end of this year because uh, he was 16. He was only left signed a two-year contract. But supposedly last year there was a contract extension signed by himself and the board. So that's why he's actually more than likely as he said that he's going to be here next season so maybe that's a good thing that a new manager might be able to tie him down to the first team mark build him up and actually show us what this player is about um, hopefully um, when he does any harm you see what he can do he was only for 10 minutes the other night supposedly what happened back was that Lenin told him sign this contract station you'll have more gate time this year and then there was a fallout between Lennon telling him that his strength and conditioning is a doctor scratch, he needs to build up more. His agents kind of took offence there and wanted him to leave, but there is a contract extension. Hello, Mikey. Hi, how you getting on? Can you hear us, Paul? Can you hear us? Paul. Can hear you, Mark. Can I hear Paul? I've cut Paul off here. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't see where Paul's went to here. Fitting. Going again. Uh, no bother. I don't know where he's went to. Eh. Hey. Says that he's in the call, like, but it's his two or three that live. Mark, you there? Oh, is he there? I can, hear, oh, I can hear you now, Paul. Yeah. Mark, I got cut off there as well. Sorry, I don't know what happened there, Paul. Perfect. So, Michael's with us again, and the reason, Mike, I wanted to bring you on again today because... We were quite emotional the other day when we were talking about Celtic on the last podcast about how we accepted defeat and in the matter of defeat we we, we came about the, the Celtic and Rangers game the fourth round Scottish uh, Scottish Cup. What are your hopes for the, the game at the weekend? Are you expecting changes from John Kennedy? Or are you are you think he's going to go with the same players? I or to, I think we've got to be realistic as well. As much as everybody wants an overhaul of the squad. I mean, you've still got to put something on the pitch that's got a chance of winning. Like, yeah, I mean, everybody would love to just field the team all the problems and use, or hopefully problems and use we've got. But, again, you're not wanting them to go, even though they've been beating the League Cup, you're not wanting them to go the whole league season by loss in the game, eh? Mm-hmm. So, I, 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 it's just getting a balance, like it says, the certain players that are 100%, I wouldn't have near the squad. And there's certain players that I would definitely get in the squad that are going to be there for next season eh? do you think Lee Griffiths should start up front yeah well like I say I put together like I say a, a team that I would personally play on Sunday 
and um, I got Lee Griffiths starting over Edward. That's just personal for me because Edward's 100% not going to be there next year. I actually think Griffiths will be there. I think it would be silly to let him go. If you get Eddie Howe comes in, I think he's one of the players that you would want to keep. Because just goals in the guy, yeah. I understand he comes with his problems, but I mean, it's hard to get goal scorers. And he's a goal scorer. He's a goal scorer, exactly. Exactly. He's a, he's a player really considering the, the rebuild we have to do like that. Maybe he's the one player that we actually should be looking into keeping. Uh, Mark, would you start Lee Griffiths next week uh, instead of Edward? Yeah, I probably would. I would, but I don't think he'll be here next year, but I'd start him next week. Just Edward's just, his time's done. He's not even, uh, his time's done for me. So what would your starting lineup be, Mark, for, for next week? And I'll count you as, as well, uh, Michael. What way would you go next week, Mark, do you think? Was my just... Still, we still want to beat them. Do you know what I mean? It's still, a, it's still a derby game that we still want to win. Anything and I think it's the only, we're the only team really that can stop them going unbeaten in the league, really, aren't we, in the last couple of games remaining? I think so, yeah. But I would well, probably tailor over Laxalt. Exactly. And then it would be Welsh and Ayer in the middle. Uh, Kenny at right back. That's my back four. I've got exactly the same back four. <laughs> and then, yeah. it's not going to happen. Scott Brown will start, but I'd start Soro and McGregor. I've got Soro, McGregor and Turnbull. I was just like striker. Three I, and then I would go with... Hell, you see Griffiths and Forrest. I'm Is Forrest fit, lads? That's the exact same team I would go with. And I would actually, I would put Parkas in the goal. <laughs> I'd, I'd throw him in like a... And Chris, if it, you know, like, like I, I don't know what what to think. Like, my thinking is why John Kennedy started Laxell like was because of his pace to get up the field and, and get the thing. But that didn't happen. Do you think that John Kennedy would actually go to start Laxell again? Or the way he took him off and ball on Taylor, that he will start with Taylor this time? Because he kind of start Laxell, surely. I mean, no, come on. No, he'd be right the push if he started like so, wouldn't he? No, that's not like that's not even like what that's just a disaster. Like, uh, like everybody can see that Lacksal. He's like a few years ago when I, I, I sorry, I'm like making out there. When I used to, I watched area because I watched a lot at Atlanta and um, Lacksal back in the day when he used to play at Genoa and that he was a, he was a winger eh? He was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. I've never like I've never known him as a left back in the years of me watching him, and that shows when he plays it. But he's no left back. Do you think maybe Kennedy's thinking was it was against that young right back you brought into the team? Yeah, I thought that was even worse than that young Trevor. Obviously, I've seen minimal of him, but he's obviously high. Like, so after, I think Kennedy was thinking blacks out pushing onto him with his pace onto that young boy. Well, the Anusi out there and then cutting in could maybe run rag running, but. I mean, it obviously backfired because Laxall was a disaster last week. But, yeah, no, he was, he was really, really, really bad. I think Kenny was worse. Like, like, but that was between the two of them. It was hard to pick. <laughs> but my problem is like with with, with that match is is, is it was the the lack of fights. You know, within the, like no matter what team he puts out, like these players should be up. And, and Michael said like no matter what team you put, you're playing your local rivals. There's no motivation for you to drop 
your passion or your, your voice in these matches, is there? I think, like the chat, I think everybody will agree. I just, I kind of like shocked at Scott Brown, his attitude in these games recently. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's just no interested, which is unbelievable. Like, yeah. And it's kind of hard that like John Kennedy Mark doesn't see that like that. Scott Brown's away for the season. The fans want to see what Zola's like. Can he fill these boots for Scott Brown? And like. How how does Kennedy doesn't see that? Like, is, is he think he's just being lied to Scott Brown? That's his. I think that's what it is. Just like the old pals act. Oh, sorry, we're not playing for anything now. It's just bizarre. It's a bizarre decision. I'd start solo at Ibrooks, and I said it the other week. That should have been Scott Brown's last game, apart from maybe an appearance in the last home game, and then that should be at his time. We should be looking. We should be looking new if it's going to be here next season. As Mike is Mike saying as well, that's what we've got to look at now. I think time to be sentimental because somebody's leaving. Mm-hmm. Like says, it would be different if he was leaving, but you still putting in a shift and still playing well. Exactly, it's useless. Like you says, and I can't like says. Whenever I've seen Sorrow, every, I've really rated the guy. Yeah, I think he's a good player. Oh, he's a cracking little player. So they would see for what he's shown is he's entitled to be have been getting more game time. So I remember he played the, the, in one old farm game and, and he was the only one really that was kind of putting in these hard tackles, wasn't he? In in the match he got a book in and and, and everything like in that game. Like that's what you want to see from Celtic players. Go in through these hard tackles. If you get a book in, you get a book in. But that's what you want, you know. You want the voice in these players, but it's it's just not happening. I'm sure you like that we can. That these players know that this is the last chance that that, that we have against Rangers this season, and and like Rangers can't go unbeaten against Celtic this season. You know, it's 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 unthinkable for a Celtic fan to to have their local rivals uh, be unbeaten against Denmark. And this, oh, it's I'm, I, I, I'm just surprised that sorrow in the last well, like eighteen months, Hosnesic came out or his agent or whoever's came out and says, I'm wanting to move it. I know. I'm surprised that he's been so quiet, that guy. I was actually just going through my head there, Mikey. I was thinking, I was going to say, do you think maybe Sorrow maybe be looking at the exit? Or yeah. hope that under a new manager, a new manager will come in and say, well, I've got, I've got a plate here, I can use this guy. I mean, that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm... Petrov didn't get off to the best of starts when he came, first came. I mean, Sorrow's no put a foot wrong. No, 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 it's just... Like he's going down really like he's kind of really been frozen out by the likes of Kennedy really hasn't he's already he's kind of really kind of been frozen as he said there maybe it's down to pals being with Scott Brown it's more of a sentimental thing to him to play Scott Brown but I seem to come in that you know but that, that, that's the way that's the way it is coming in Michael and this that's the way that's the only reason I can think of John Kennedy playing Scott Brown in, instead of Zorro at, at, this, at this precise moment Mark do you think Oh, I, I 100% agree. That's the only reason it can be. Through sentiment, it's been sentimental. Oh, it's Scott Brown. He's been here for years. If Scott Brown had any, he could even say, look, like, just, do you know what I mean? My team's done here. My head's, my head's in Aberdeen now. We're not playing for anything. Just, I don't know, mind sitting in the bench for a couple of games. Mm-hmm. I was so, looking through the chat and I've seen a guy, Paul Ward, and he said, well, he's just thinking similar to me. Um, 
Griffith starts, um, we bet that now. It's as simple as that. Because he's not missing half the chance that Edward did last week. Or two weeks ago, whenever it was. So my, my thing to tell me there, we say, we, we just say now that, that, that Forrest is injured for the, for the next door from he's not going to be fit, he's not going to be fit. And <coughs> we tried Christie in this position numerous of times and it's failed. Is it time to maybe give them better run in this game? Give us a bit of wish well, in this Forrest, game? If, if Forrest was injured, then 100% I would play somebody like Dembele. Because like, Christie shouldn't be near the start of 11. Oh, I guess mm-hmm. I've said that for weeks. Christie shouldn't be near the start of 11. But I would, but I, why not why no throw Dembele in? Exactly, the high-pressure game against your wide back. See what you see what the young lad can do against them. Yeah. My, my only fear is that he gets bullied, or would he? There's no crowd there either. That would that would help him. Yeah. Throw him in in the middle. Of, do you know what I mean? A away game at Ibrox with a full house. That could just. Do you know what I mean? His confidence could just bottom line there. But when they crowd in that there, I throw him in. See what he can. Well, that, well, that Barisic, like he says, everybody goes on about like they all go on about him like he's. This like top fullback, he's like a week in jail's floor. It's benefited him this season actually that there was no fans in Ibrox, you know, that because they were on his back all last season and stuff like that, and that actually did benefit him this season that there's no uh, range of supporters in Ibrox, you know. So, do you think he's stuck with this lad? Do you think or? I, I, I personally think he'll go for Edward. I don't, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think he will start Griffiths. I think he'll still go with Edward. Oh, well, I think he'll start Edward. I'm thinking... I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I also think he'll start... The team we've picked was the team we'll pick. The team Kennedy will pick will be totally different. I just think it's a bit strange that nearly everybody in the chat and everybody on the forum, other than maybe one player, will pick exact, the exact woman. That everybody would start. Yeah, if you go to Kennedy's team, there'll be four, five, maybe six players different. That's how blind the coaching staff are just now to picking their starting eleven. I think he'll start with um, the, the more than likely if Forrest is not injured, he'll start with the same team. Uh, the fourth one, Bar, yeah, Bar, Bar Taylor. That he'll play Taylor. Like I said, I think that would be the only change that I think I could see Kennedy doing and. It's just unthinkable to put that same team out again that fared, fared so miserably in, in the Scottish Cup fourth four final. You know, like everyone looked out, out, out of all sorts there. Like, you know, like. I, I, that performance in the Cup game, you could, accept, mm-hmm. you could accept that in this coming league game because the game's a bit of a dead rubber if we'd beat them in the Scottish Cup. Exactly, exactly. And going on, we. We we have to win it, Mark. You know what I mean? We like what's going on. Like Kennedy's going on about this. We're the biggest club in the in Scotland, which rightly so we are. But let's prove it. You know, put put Rangers in their box. You're talking on the pitch, not in the press. Exactly, exactly. So I have a few here. So uh, read me out. Uh, Paul Wargo's my team is Barkas, Oya, Beaton, Welch, Taylor, Zara, Brown. Moy, Forrest, Griffiths and Dembele. The only thing with that is I, I, I just couldn't start beat on. But I, 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 I just didn't Is Ayer going to be fit for it? That's true. He's injured his shoulder, wasn't he? That's true. So if he's injured, like, 
I can see Duffy somewhere. coming in, so I can see Bichon coming in there again to that centre back line. I, I, you can't play Bichon at centre. I'm just, just asking for trouble. Honestly, he is so slow. Would <laughs> you throw, just throw Duffy in there? No, I, I, I would throw Duffy in over over Bichon. Mark. So I will give Duffy a wee, if Scott Brown can get a wee last hurrah, why does Duffy know? I think Duffy, okay, he has got his mistakes in him, but what you can, you can never say that he's, like, he's 100% committed, like, like he says, like he's, he's made his mistakes and, that, like, that would be some laugh if he started, like, I gotta go on. beating and Duffy Dembele, wouldn't it, young guys like that, and, players out of position and things like that. That would just... surprise me, though. <laughs> Lenady. Isn't it Pedro Cosimo on the forum? Lenady. <laughs> what I've, like, I guess, is the older guy, well, older viewers all know, is when, I, when I've seen Duffy play this season, there's the look on his face. He's just spitting uh, Harold Black back under pressure when he first came. See the pressure he looks under when he's playing for Celtic. Duffy, it's unbelievable. It's the same as Black back when he came. Like he was just a bag of nerves, the guy. If he's got a weight of the world on his shoulders, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. I like... I've that it's a shame that it's not worked out for Duffy, because we, we all thought he would have done well for us, and whatever's happened, whatever, it's just not worked out, but he'll be as disappointed as we are that it's not worked out for him. And like Paul says in the last podcast as well, like the fans have really played a big deal with Duffy as well. Like He wanted to play in front of the fans, Mm-hmm. Um, that would have made a big difference to him settling in and that as well and like he says what's went on with his family how he can excuse what's happened to Duffy this year I think it was the wrong time really for Duffy Mark wanted it to come to the club wanted it during the pandemic and his father passing away and not being able to play in front of the Celtic fans which was a life dream for him really wasn't it you know he couldn't turn it down even so go, even if he's gone by that gone by that so would you sign Duffy off for next season if a new manager came in and if he had the fans back? Uh, I, I wouldn't have. No, I don't think so. I think, <laughs> just like hot. I think that season's <clears throat> you know, haunt Duffy for the rest of his career, honestly. I think so, yeah, I think so. It has affected him because honestly. in the last in, in the last Irish squads and, and, and foreseen he was actually being left out of it. Confidence levels, uh, Stephen Kenny said of have dropped that he asked himself to, to to not start the game. So it's it's really after affecting him as um as a player as well. This Celtic this year, not just Celtic, the whole year between his father, his failed Celtic move. Like it's not something really that Duffy wanted in, in his life in isn't this? You know? Well if he's asking to be dropped for Ireland and they qualify mm-hmm. that, there's no chance of him starting for Celtic against them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, because that's so like my 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 thing is like like why hasn't Kennedy kind of put his own grip on this team like like tried a different formation Michael O'Mark like he stayed with the same kind of diamond formation that what I said last podcast that Lennon invented to to play these players Christie Brown and uh, Callum McGregor and Ed Cham when he was there like this was boring but Kennedy. Kind of sticks with the same formation. Like, is that showing that maybe Kenny's not as tactical as we think, or is it just down to the players that's available to him? Mark, I think it's down to the players and the system that they're used to playing as well. It's just he's not wanted to 
change things too much. I mean, I, I don't. I think he knew himself. He was never in for any chance of getting the job. It was, it was never realistic that Kennedy was going to become manager. And I thought his job was just to get us through the season and try and win the Scottish Cup. But I don't know. If he if he changed it and things went even worse than they did, we'd all be on his back about it. Mm-hmm. So I could have pushed the boat out and tried to show his own thing, and even even as an example, he could bring to another team. This is how I had Celtic playing at the end of last year. This is how I like to play the game and that. But he's not done it. Because even like he's been under the management of uh, Brendan Rodgers, he was like he was. In charge of our youths as well, I, I believe. Auntie, he was down, down, down in the youth academy. Like he knows these young players, and do you know what I mean? Like, and how, how he's kind of not kind of giving them a chance is kind of beyond me when the season is finished. Really, do you know? If you look at you the know? team the way it plays now, it's not any different than when Lennon was in charge. But that's what yeah. happens. Keep the assistant. Exactly. So, like, Michael, do you think like we should have already kind of? Had the manager in place and finished out this season. Let him see who he wants to keep and not to keep. I think, like you said, even if it wasn't somebody that was getting appointed, they should have announced somebody by now. I mean, even if it was announced, even if I personally agree with Barry, that was on earlier. I think Eddie Howe is going to be appointed, and I think the deal's already done. Like he, he would have been watching everything anyway. Like he'll know yourself who's getting kept and who's not. Mhm. So there's there's a post there I want to read out for you, and it's actually I I actually found it very interesting. It's from um, nobody nobody at work on the on the forum, and he put out this on the thing. I'm starting to get worried about the next season. Normally planning for next season starts in January. However, we have no manager, no head of recruitment, and lost a few scouts. This means our plan for next season is way behind schedule. In a normal year, this would somewhat be of a problem. But when you factor in the, the rebuild that start that has to start, it's becoming a me- big issue. I think of that lad, that 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 post from. He's a moaning get him, so he is. <laughs> I mean, I used to get called that on the forum a lot. <laughs> well, he does have a point, though. Oh, of course. Normally, Celtic would, would normally Celtic. I know that, yeah. But normally Celtic would um, would sign these players in January and, and have them ready at least for the qualifiers of the Champions League. But like with the Champions League, have so much along the contract. But we say that we do. We, we all say that we should, oh, we should be planning January for players for the summer, and we've done it with a few. But we don't do it as often as everybody seems to think we do. But we should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's what we're talking about. That's just where a director of football will make all the difference. That's his job to do all this planning. You know, I mean, he'll be planning for the next two years at least. There'll be young players that's see, like Man City and all these big teams doing England. They've got players that look at 16, they're watching Earn South America and they've got plans for them for the next five years. They've not, mm-hmm. they've not even signed them yet. And I think that's, Mark, like going back to what I said in the, in the previous podcast, like that we don't have a kind of a recognised uh, striker in our youth academy. You know? That's- that's terrible. That and, it's, and that's and I I I I've I I've read that and I and I read it off a few few sites like and I read it like that. The last striker they had was this young lad, uh, McGonnie or something. He was on the bench the other day. The left the left back fella. Gummery. Yeah, he was a striker, but he was brought back into to be a left winger because of his pace by Darren D and Steve McGuinness. Now there were strikers there, but they're not up to the level. 
to progress to the first team, and that's the major concern that we can't produce uh, a striker of Lynn. I'm going to talk about Celtic's size, not have even two or three top promises exactly. Scottish strikers coming through. Exactly, exactly. Are you worried as a as a supporter? Like, I'm worried. I, I, I guess it is. As everybody knows, I can come across as properly a greeting for his gut. But I think, I think, I think this season I've got every right to be. I am seriously. I'm like I say, from the top to the bottom, the serious problems. I think what I'll, what I don't doesn't sit well with me either. If it is Eddie Howe that does come in, he's been out of club for what a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Think about earlier he could have been in. Mm-hmm. No, I mean when Lennon was sacked or when Lennon should have been sacked well before Christmas. How no just push the boat out, even if he was getting paid from Bournemouth or this, this or this payments or whatever's going on. Just pay the guy, get him in, and there still could have been a chance. There'd been a lot of money. Uh, there'd been a lot of money, I think, Mikey. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, I mean, there'd have been a lot of money to buy you with so Darcy Bournemouth. But what we say about that is, it's right. We're now we're pushing to the end of April now. What we be announcing that Eddie Howe will be taking her come the first of June? When his contract expires for Bournemouth. Yeah, at least the fans, at least the fans know that progress has been made behind the scenes to get the team back in this. I don't see if there's. Well, Dominic Mackay gave the rugby guys his notice, right? I'm going to take over Celtic. It, it meant to be the 1st of July. He's ended up coming in early. So even with Eddie Howe owned supposed garden and leaving under contract to them for another month or two, what's sort of announcing at the end of that month or two he'll be the next Celtic manager? Yeah, that's what, I mean. that's what I think. That's what a lot of the fans want. It's just exactly, just something and like some something to give hope. Like it's just, it's yeah. just so bad just now. That would to me that that wouldn't affect his, the contract that he's seen out with Bournemouth. All he's doing is saying, "Oh, this is my next job. Once I finish this job, this is my next one." Yeah, that's correct. Exactly. Uh, same question to you. I, I never really kind of asked you, even between all our chats that we have uh, outside the fall. Are you worried as a Celtic supporter at this precise moment? Are you optimistic about the future? Or are you worried? Oh, you know me, I always look at the bright side of stuff, Paul. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, I'd say I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm, I'm not worried. Because I think the next, I think I've said it before, I think this is a, the biggest overhaul for Martin O'Neill for Martin O'Neill time and it, we need to get it right to plan long term so I'm worried that we don't make the right choices but I'm optimistic that we do do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And to you guys in the live chat what's your uh, position on that? Are you worried or are you optimistic that the club will make the right decision of a manager and the future is bright for Celtic? Now there was a thing that uh, United Ireland put on the, the post that I, I forget the name of the player that was supposed to be signed this young Defender and some fellas on the forum saying, "Why are we looking to to buy these players when we don't have a manager in place?" And they, you know, that was saying that the scouting system still works within the club, that we still scout players, we still bring these players to the board. Are we right to start still scouts players, Mark, even though we don't know who the manager is and we don't know what system he plays? Or is there something already being done behind the scenes that we know the manager, they know who the manager is, and they're scouting players for him? Mark? Oh, well, it's a bit of both. You're, ho- well, you're hoping, isn't it? You're hoping it's that somebody, Mr. X in the background, saying, I oh, try and sign him, sign him. But to the same extent, 
there is still a football club to be run. So maybe they've just, I don't know, maybe, is it Tommy McIntyre? Maybe they've just went, how to say so about a player or so. Do you know what? There's still got to be deals done for even young players, even though we don't get a manager. Celtic are still looking at the next like, 16, 17-year-old football star. You know what I mean? Kelly still recognising that this is a position that we need to improve, and this is why they're scoping these defensive centre back players. You know, at least they're they're recognising that this position needs to be improved. Uh, Michael, do you think they're right? Well, I, I've heard a few, like you said, rumours in the last twenty-four hours. If anybody's actually interested, and I'm not a fan of loans, but I think this would be a good one. Um, the boy, I think his name's Brandon Williams, the left back from Man United. Mhm, mhm. He's been rumoured to have been approached for a loan for next season. And there was another guy that's been rumoured as well, and it involves the Jetty, which would make me happy if he was gone. It's a guy that plays up front for the young boys. Uh, John yes, Pierre I saw that, Damage. yes, you saw that, Jay said that, yeah. He scored 80-odd goals in 120 games for young boys and involves the Jetty. So there's two players that, if, that, if they're looking at their kind of players, and that's the kind of calibre of players that you're wanting to come in, because they're actually going to improve the team. So. Exactly, exactly. Like if if Brandon Williams came in, like and he's a young player that's after breaking into Manchester United's first team, like in a year up in Scotland, would actually be a benefit to him and oh, and Manchester yeah. United. Do you know, like that's so, one of the loans that you don't mind. Like I'm not normally a fan of loan players because they're always going to know that they're going back to the club. But if you're bringing in somebody like young and that wants a point to prove, I think yes, exactly. Go wrong. It was the same as Fraser Foster, was it? Patrick Roberts. Yeah, another one, yeah, he's outstanding for us. He was a great one. I mean, I don't know what's happened to him now. Like He's getting a bit older now, mid-20s, and he's not really did much. But at us, he was a quality player. It's like going back like that, you know, instead of like, as we were saying there, like, like yes, he's loaned, it was supposed to be loaned first, like, and then it turned into a permanent deal. Like, like we don't want to be loaning players who clubs actually don't want. Do you know what I mean? We want players that who... Who their, their ownership clubs want them to progress in their career, see how they get out of Celtic for a year, like Patrick Roberts, and not to have a player come in that's, that's not wanted by their team. Like, do you think Elenusi yeah, that, that bracket, or would you go for Elenusi? Would you sign Elenusi next season? Or? I'd sign Elenusi, I think, under even a better manager and better coaching staff. I think he'd get even better. I think what's underrated mm-hmm. about Elenusi is how good he is in the air. As well, exactly. and a lot of people forget he put a winger like that's no you have them like so. Like, I, I how we get in the like, box yeah. and how we kind of get in the box as well. Like he's like he's nearly our fourth striker on the pitch. You know when Edward is not on his game, you know what I mean. And Lucy's up there, you know. Like so, did like what's your thoughts on on these 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 long players? Like, well, like what about Laxton and Kenny? Like, like. Like it doesn't work. Like this, this is another player. Two players like that, that are not wanted by their clubs, uh, and Celtic took up the loan player. Like should like should we kind of keep away from that? That if I think if their teams want to get rid of him. Well, I think maybe Kenny. He's he's been good in bits, but I don't think I would spend much money on him. I don't think he's going to make a grade with us. And Laxalt's been a disaster. But I think it's if a certain quality player comes up, that's going to improve your team. Do it, but don't, as you say, don't be taking other people's cast-offs kind of thing, just, oh, we don't want them, do you want them? We'll, all right, we'll take them then, and they're, they're not doing much to improve us. Because they're... Remember when... Oh, on you go, Barry. 
Uh, Michael. Don't remember when um, we got Craig Bellamy on loan. Mind. Aye. That's the, like that's the kind of players that you didn't mind getting on loan, like. Uh. <laughs> but that's exactly right. Edward, we get Edward in loan, which turns mm-hmm. okay. But other players have come in and they play a few games, and no many loans really work out there when you think about it. Oh, we need to go back to Bellamy and that's when you realise, I think that was, what, 2006? Fraser Forster. No, that was a loan originally as well, wasn't it? Robbie Keane. Yeah. Robbie Keane. I, I, I had to turn out with Shalom in there, lads. I had to turn out with Shalom in there. <laughs> <laughs> considering how, yeah, considering how Duffy was bad this season. Uh, for every Craig Bellamy, there's a Shane Duffy, isn't it? That's a big gamble. But if it's a young player that... See if it's a young player that's going to come in and you know he's going to improve your team. And then see if he's and then but I'd also like to see it always try and get a, like an option to buy in it in some form because then if because Man United that loan out young players that they know aren't they going to make the grade with him so they're putting them in the shop windy. So if they come up here to big success, make sure we're first in the shop windy. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, Brandon yes. Williams that's rumoured to be coming up. Like he think he's early twenties. He's not going to get a game ahead of that Luke Shaw. No. He's only, what, 26, 27, so he's going to be there for about four years. So and Luke like, Shaw is a prime example of um, what what a manager can do for a player, isn't it, Luke Shaw? Well, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, horrendous, like, uh, really coming out naming and shaming him. It's not the exact same as Lee Lennon kind of coming out naming and shaming players as well, like, it's hitting your confidence, like, but it just shows what a different manager can do with players and how they can improve them. And Luke Shaw's a player. And Brendan Rodgers did it for us. Didn't he brought these average players to a different level, you know, than, than they actually were. Scott Sinclair. You know? Look at yeah, Scott Sinclair's one of, the, one of the best Celtic players I've seen, really. See, for a short time... Without a doubt. For a short time he was here, you can't fault what he'd done. You know? And it just goes to show like that, like these big players that have left Mark, like you had, you had from from the Rogers era, like you had um, Saint Clair, you had Armstrong. The club never really replaced them with players who actually can make a difference. So they haven't, you know. Even like you said, Jozo Semenovic, and obviously he had his injury problems. But in my lifetime of watching Seattle, he's actually one of my favourite players. I mean, that mm-hmm. guy was what you call committed. Committed. He, he wasn't afraid to go into a tackle. No, you know that's, what, that's why he's related about him. He's good at the set-pieces as well. He always got the odd goal. But look, he's still out of the club. So it shows you what's going on with him injury-wise. Exactly. But even... He knew, he knew himself his injury... Well, how capable he was. He's just getting injured and he went in for all the tackles. But see what you were talking about earlier about commitment and fighting and that? Yeah. He gave everything for Celtic. He was just unlucky with injuries. That's what it was. He's unlucky. He could have been a top top player for us like if he was like fit. Like, like some of the games that he played in, and I'll always, you'll always be remembered for that tackle on Kenny Muller for me. Yeah, I exactly. It. You know, I think that's shown at uh, the start of every old form game. I think at this stage, Kenny, Kenny <laughs> Miller must be sick of that tackle now at this stage. I think it was funnier when you had the Rangers TV commentary team actually commenting on it. That's the funnier thing. Like, uh. <laughs> you know, there's a good point here from Terrence there. We saw two full backs for 37 million. And two loan players in the last derby. Like, is that shown that maybe we're bringing in too many loan players, Michael? Do you think? It just shows you know? the the lack of. I mean, that's just bad management, is it? 
lucky. Foresight and planning. Yeah, that's shocking, like, yeah, to take in that kind of funds and not have... I mean, you can't have two fullbacks on loan and you're starting 11. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just ridiculous, like, yeah. And like you said, look who they've brought in on loan. Like, see, that's different if you're bringing in top, 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 like, fullbacks. But Laxalt and um, that Kenny... I mean, that Kenny can they get a game for Schalke, and they just got relegated this season for the Bundesliga, the worst, you know, the worst defensive record in Bundesliga history. And he was, he can even get a game for Schalke on one last season. Can you give me a score for next week, lads? Eric? Got a score prediction? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you never said you were going to ask that, Paul. Put you in the spot. I've thought about that, yeah. Uh, oh, I'll say... 3-1. We'll win 3-1. That's what I'll go for. You said that too the last time when we left 2 in. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going for? I don't know. I'm going for 2-1. I suppose I think, I think we'll... Hopefully I think we'll, we'll take this. You know? I hope and bust. It all depends on the lineup again, lads. Don't this? You know You know when the start lineup comes out. If we're, if, if, if we're going to have a chance to win, I think. And... I think it's all going to depend on, on the lineup, really, isn't it? Well, if we've got Laxal and Christie and... Exactly. Specs, what can you expect? If it's the usual sock specs, yeah, we're going to expect the same, aren't we? But your you position, Mikey? I'd love to see, like, I'm going to be bold and uh, I'm going to love it because it'll make me look like an idiot, but I love, like, a 2-0 and Duffy to score. <laughs> like, I mean, that would just be... Duffy and Griffiths to score. I think Griffith will score because I think he, oh, even if he starts or comes on I just think he'll score mm-hmm. so, like you say and, like you say it's a shame Mark says that he, he might not be there next year but but there's a question actually about um, and the, the things I just heard today and I was going to play next week as we talk talk about next week that Griffith could be could be on a contract an incentive contract like a kind of a pay as you play contract, would that be something you think that would interest Griffiths to stay? I don't think so. I think like I, I say, I would love him to stay, but I've just got a sneaky suspicion that he's going to end up at Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I don't even think it's a sneaky suspicion. I think it's about a certainty. Mm-hmm. I think I might come back, like says, because he is a good player if you can get him playing. But he like, might come back to haunt us next year. Like, 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 like a Kenny Miller kind of a player come back to haunt us. Yeah. You know. So, folks, that's from myself tonight. And, Mark, again, I'd like to thank our guests for, for coming on. Uh, our apologies that Richard couldn't come on and give us his vision of football. But for myself, thanks very much. Uh, Mark and Michael, off to yourselves. Yeah, no problem. Like I say, I always enjoy being on. It's good to see the chat and that getting involved as well. Mark, yourself? Yes, thanks, Paul, again, for everything you do on here and behind the scenes. Thanks for joining us, Mikey, and other guests. And thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, it's another great night there, just sitting blathering to you. Uh, so, good night, God bless. And if you've not subscribed, please do that and hit the thumbs up. Right, thanks, lads. Night. This episode of the Boz and Bovo podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel.